Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey guys, new podcast this week, uh, Wednesday, it's Wednesday, it's actually probably Tuesday when I release this, but it's one, I don't know what day it is that you're listening to this, sorry I gotta turn Viceland down, I'm obsessed with Viceland, we talk about that a little bit on today's podcast, we also, and I'm only doing this as a uh, disclaimer, we, I also shit a tad bit on a guy I like, uh, Casey Neistat, I don't shit on him totally. But I don't want it to be construed that I dislike him or that I'm trying to start beef. I'm not at all. I'm talking about narcissism and media and how our the whole point we were talking about originally was Snapchat. Woo. I'm blowing the fuck up. Snapchat and Twitter and and selfies and how vlogging is somewhat of one huge selfie. I do have this Stanhope. Fuck, it's my manager. Hold on. Hello. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, I'll pick this up as soon as I get done. Hold. All right, that's it. Uh, that was just my manager. We were talking about date offers and uh, a pilot I'm working on, and he liked the script. So, uh, but anyway, that was it. I it was. I don't mean to shit on Casey Neistat if he does hear this. And he gets upset. I can't imagine that he's listening to this because I've asked him to be on my podcast a number of times. Uh, but And I think he's just too busy. But, yeah. So if I talk negatively about anybody, it, you realize it's just a conversation of two people talking and sometimes you can forget the mics are on. And I, and, I, and I admire what Casey Neistat's doing. But whatever I say is whatever I say. Fuck it, dude. Fuck it. Uh, dates. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. I know I'm in... I talk about this on the show, but I'm in... Uh, uh, Des Moines right now. No, I'm in Virginia Beach right now. If you're listening to this right now, I'm in Virginia Beach. Then I'm in Des Moines. Then I'm in Calgary. Then I might be in Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm not certain. That was what the phone call was about. We're trying to figure out if that's going to work. And uh, go to BurtBurtBurt.com. You can see all my tour dates. Special went fantastic. So I will talk about that a tad bit uh, to Steve uh, that you're about to listen to. Special one, fantastic. Thank you, everyone that came out. That was a, a benchmark in my career, one of my favorite nights of my life, and thank you so much for all your support. Thank you, everyone who sent me really nice messages the day of and the day before. The special telling me I have a great set. That means a lot. I didn't reply to many of them, but I definitely read them, and they definitely registered, and I definitely thought about them. So that's it. By the way, I had a great conversation with Kurt. Uh, Metzger today. He called me out of the blue and was just wanted to fucking shit on. I was just fucking great. It was so fucking awesome. I love that guy. And Kurt, I love you. He said it to me and I say it back. All right. Today's podcast. This guy, you might know him from the Sarah Silverman program. He was on there. That's where I first got introduced to him. He was one of the biggest guys on Twitter until he deleted his account. And he talks about this on the podcast today. And I saw him do stand up at the con. That's how we'll start out right away. 
is with a huge compliment because I saw him at the comedy store. And let me tell you something. If this guy is in your neighborhood, fucking go see him do stand-up. He is so fucking funny. He really genuinely is. And thank you, Brian Redband, for introducing the two of us. Uh, Because he's friends with Brian and they did a podcast and I was having to do the podcast. And we got to hang out. And from there, we've kept in touch. And so I finally got him on my podcast and I'm going to have him back on because he's that fucking funny. And he's real. He is real as fuck. Ah, God, I love this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, Steve Agee. This is the Here, grab that mic. Talk to it. Yo, yo, yo. Perfect, perfect. Am I, I'm hot. Testing. Perfect. It's so funny. At six, this is, at six, this is almost low, and at seven, it's blown out. Yeah, I have the same one. Really? Um, I gotta start. I'm gonna start off with the. With the I, I've been thinking about this all day. The right way to word this. Yeah, it's this is a compliment, but it's gonna. But I'm so bad at compliments. Sometimes they come out fucking. They come out. Lay it on me. They come out bad. I get it. I'm the so same the, way. So the first time I ever heard of you was through Twitter. Yeah, it was through Twitter. I think you had like two million followers or something. I had a million. Million, and then. And then I saw you on Sarah Silverman's show. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Like, I'd never seen you on no, around. And, and then, and you know how you, in a weird way, there's people that show up in this business, like, uh, um, people who, people who show up in this business and are actors or get booked. And yeah. you're like, and you're like, no, I'm well, like, uh, Rob, what's the guy that's really big on Twitter? Uh, Delaney. Rob Delaney. Yeah. Um, and you're like, I've never seen him do stand up. Yeah. And, so in a weird way, until you see them do stand-up, you don't really have a frame of reference for how talented you believe them yeah. to be. I had had that for you for the longest time. I've known you, but and I know yeah. that I connected with you. I like listened to you on podcasts and stuff. Yeah. We have a lot of the same issues. And I think we met at the Ice House. At the Ice House. And I was super excited to see you because I yeah. heard you talk about anxiety one time. Yeah. And it was like fucking groundbreaking. It was literally groundbreaking for me. because so I was like, oh, fuck, I got that exact same shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I saw you do stand-up at the fucking comedy store. And I got to be dead honest. With oh, you. no shit. I, you might be the funniest person I've <laughs> ever seen live. That's you a have, great compliment. I don't know how that well, I would take that because, because it comes out it comes out backhanded because no. because in, and I'll say this very candidly, but there's a lot of people in in the alt community that can't yeah. do stand up. Yeah, that they can do they can definitely do UCB and they can do yeah. Nerdist Meltdown and yeah. they can frame their jokes in a rhythm with verbiage that connects with those yeah, people. Yeah. But when they do like a legit, I don't know anyone Club, in this room yeah. audience. They aren't destructive, dude. You fucking. I mean, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what. I'm terrified of the comedy store that's one place that for some reason i'm like i'm always nervous always fucking nervous oh me too me too i've never enjoyed the there's place. a weird uh you know stigma with that place because in the back of the, your head i'm always like oh you know people get shot here yeah it's like i i, I just associate it with a, like a violent world um, and it's just kind of still has that seedy vibe to it, which is awesome, but also terrifying. It's terrifying, especially, and I'm, I'm going to put, I'm, I find a lot of connections between me and you that you probably don't know yet, but like, yeah. I think we're both very sensitive men. Yes. I think oh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're like extremely sensitive to everything. I, I, uh, I often say I have an acute, I have a, I have an acute sense of picking out the futility of it all. Yeah. Like I can see sadness. Oh, Sometimes boy. walking through the grocery store and, I, and it and it fucking breaks my heart. 
like sadness in the grocery store. I, I, yeah, and I'm like, and I and I, I always imagine from listening to you on podcasts that we're similar in that sense. And so when I saw you at the comedy store, I was like, oh, how cool that you're here. I know you're friends with Red Band. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is how cool. And I went over on the side. Oh, there's me. Um, I want to say maybe Jesse May Peluso, Crystalia, uh-huh. uh, maybe. Yeah, um, we all just went to it watch was one it. of those secret shows, and it was yeah. fucking you. I'm telling you when I say this, oh, and thanks. I'm saying this out loud, and I'm, I've, I've very seldomly said this on my podcast. <laughs> if you if you were in a city, I would fucking be tweeting oh, about, wow. about you being there, so my fran- fans could go there I more than you the, would. I should do the road. You more. could fucking destroy the road. Really? I'm Dude. so fucking terrified. Oh my of god, you would destroy the road. You you do not speak <laughs> from a, you speak from a level of. Um, of empath, well, you 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 speak empathetically on yeah. stage, and you and you. It's all about you. It's yeah. not. It's not pain. You're not mocking someone else. Yeah, yeah. And it's, dude. It's what it's the comedy. I absolutely love. I got to yeah. be honest with you. I haven't laughed out loud watching comedy. <laughs> wow, very thanks, few man. times. I mean, nice. I I'll sit back and even like Burr, who I think is genius. Oh, I'll yeah. sit back and I'll smile a lot, and then yeah. he'll get me a good gut laugh once in a while. Yeah, yeah. But like I smile like, wow, good fucking writing. Like yeah, holy yeah. shit, man, that yeah, was he's there. Awesome. But man, you had me laughing, beginning to end. Holy shit! Because you also have a, you also have this amazing stage presence that isn't forced. It is who you are. You are who you are on stage and off stage. Yeah. And I love that in a performer. And oh, I was thanks. like, I got to be honest. With you, I came home and I was like, I'm now googling the fuck out of him. <laughs> yeah, it took forever. I'm I only feel like I just got comfortable doing stand up like within the past few years. Really. Like, I was always ter- I mean, I started doing it when I was like 18 years old. Um, just because when I was a kid, I would listen to Dr. Demento and he turned me, you know, he would play clips of, you know, not just music, but stand up on a show. And that's where I first heard George Carlin when I was like 10 years old or 11 years old. How old are you? I'm 47. I just turned 47. And um, so like when when I was 11, I think I've said this before, but like... All my friends, that's like when, you know, you're influenced by your friends and you start buying music that they buy. And like all my friends were buying, you know, albums like music. And like I was buying comedy albums at like 11. Like I, my shit. first, I think the first album I ever bought was George Carlin, Place for My Stuff. And like just, I couldn't get enough comedy. But I came from a family in a world where no one was in entertainment. I didn't think it was something you could actually do. Where'd you grow up? Riverside, just an hour east of LA. Oh, really? So you're from LA? Kind of. And so I was just like, I don't, I didn't know that was something you could do. And then I think it was my mom that was, she showed me like a clipping in like the LA Weekly or something. She's like, look, they have like an open mic for stand up. And I did it. And it went, luckily, it went well my first time because I feel like if it, if I had bombed my first time doing stand up, I probably never would have done it again. That's the type of person I am. I'm like, I realize when something goes bad, I'm not one of those delusional people that's I'm like... Not, I'm not either. That went well. I'm like, if it fucking was horrible, I would have been like, okay, what can I try now? But it went well. Then it started going bad, but I was like, I know it's there somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just chasing that first time. Um, but I, it now, was, What year is this? This, is- this was like 80... Nine or so the club options were not there was not like uh there weren't a lot and this was at a in montclair which i don't think is it's even there anymore there was a comedy club called the laugh stop um 
and that's where I did it. And they were like, hey, that was great. Come back and do it again. And uh, so that's where I'd go. And then I started going. I, I saw in the LA Weekly, you know, like an open mic. It wasn't really an open mic. You had to audition for it. But it was at the Ice House in the Annex. And uh, this guy, Dave McNary, ran it, who I think still does stuff there. And uh, so I went and auditioned. And you could just do shows there like once. I would do shows there once a month. And uh, but no, nothing ever came out. of it. I didn't know how to keep. I didn't realize the concept of other comedy clubs. So I was just like, oh, let's do this once a month. And and. And then it just kind of petered out, and I just started playing in bands. I was like, oh, this is... I I get easily uh, uh, engulfed in, in new shit. Like, when I started playing in bands, I was like, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, I was li- moved to L.A. with a band, and then... What kind of music? It was like punk. And yeah. then we kind of broke up, and everyone moved back to... You know, back to Riverside, and I was the only one that stayed in L.A., and I started dating this girl who was taking classes at the Groundlings, and I went to a show with her, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I loved comedy. I'm going to do that again, but maybe I'll do improv and and sketch, and I want to be on S because I'd always wanted to be on SNL, and so that's how I got back into doing comedy, and I was just never, like, stand-up was never natural for I was bad at writing. I thought, to me comedy there was just one kind where you write up you write a, a setup and then a punchline and I, I was like that's and I was bad at that my jokes were so fucking hacky and goofy and even I mean well even while Sarah's show was going on I was just like I was like uh I was not happy doing stand-up because I just felt like a sham I was like these are horrible jokes but I'm allowed to go into a club and do them because I'm on the Sarah Silverman show. Like doors would open and I'd be like, well, I'd be a fool not to do this. Yeah. Um, but I felt horrible. And then it was when I, like in 2010 or 11, I mean, it was very recent. I, I met Janine Garofalo. She was out here shooting 24. I fucking am obsessed. With I am too. I, I loved her and I met her backstage at Largo and we immediately hit it off and, we're hanging out a bunch while she lived out here. And I remember one night I was just like, we we're talking about stand up, and I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't like the jokes I do. I don't, I don't think I write good jokes. And, and she just totally opened my eyes. She's like, so don't write jokes. She's like, just fucking talk about shit in your life. It doesn't have to be observational. You can talk about, you know, what, what's bothering you, you know? And I was like, Oh, yeah okay and then i just started talking about you know all the shit in my life and it fucking made it so much more enjoyable oh dude i can't i hope i hope you by the way this is my gardener gabriel he may get done blowing and then decide to come in i I walked i i yeah i rang your doorbell and he was just like "Uh, he's not he's not there he's in the back yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "I this is my first time here. I don't, I don't know. I feel weird walking in the back." He's like, "He's in the back." He's like, "Go into the back." And then I'm lying, you know, before we started, my there was this horrible knot in my shoe, and my shoe was untied. And he's like, "Your shoe's untied." I'm like, "Yeah, I know my fucking shoe's untied, dude." Everyone tells me my shoe's untied. He he uh, he, he has a, a bug for the podcasting, so you'll see he'll what knock and want to come in, and that's funny, and then tell you a story about uh, something. He's a very sweet guy, but he often brings stuff and tries to sell it. 
Does he ever let you use the uh, leaf blower? No, I've always know, wanted to try one. He should let his wife use the leaf blower. His poor wife does all the fucking manual labor, and he just goes around and blows around the leaves. Yeah, look, she's like carrying all. She's this doing shit. everything. She does everything. He brought his kids out here one time, and I felt like fucking. I felt horrible. I felt like <laughs> I was like, I can't have your kids doing my. Lawn. I'll do my lawn. Never mind. I'll do my lawn. I'll pay you. You guys relax. I'm so jealous that you have a house. Um, it's all I think about. It's now. my wife. I, I would never have had a house. I would have never had a house. I would have never. I would have stayed in our apartment forever. I would have no interest in. Um, I had no interest in owning a home. You didn't. It's all I want. Really? I'm so sick. I've lived in the same apartment for like a long time, and it was. It's a Why really. Don't you just go on the road, make fucking five hundred thousand dollars. No, I'm being. Ser- I'm being dead serious. No, I know you are. I. The other thing is, I. I I don't do the road. I'm a. I'm afraid of doing the road. I don't know why. Uh, part of it is my depression. Yeah, I'm. Well, the the road will definitely fucking squeeze. Exactly. That I don't like the idea of being in. Like I'd be fine in Portland, in San Francisco, in yeah. Austin or New York. Yeah. Great, Chicago, sure. But it's the towns like, hey, come to Peoria for four days, and I'm just like, I think I would. Yeah, I don't know if I'm built for the road. I feel like I would kill myself, uh, and I'm not there's, even. There's ways. There's ways that. Uh, there's ways to um, to finagle the road to make it really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I think if you did what you know, what a lot of the guys, a lot of a lot of guys go out and do one nighters. Those mm-hmm. are really fun. Yeah. You can't make a ton of money that way. I mean, you really can make good money doing a weekend. Yeah. Um, but but I, I I'd argue you could probably make the same amount of money doing one nighters. And just doing door deals at one at rock venues, and then pair up with another guy you like and go out together. That's what it is. I I love doing shows with my friends. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going to be in San Francisco the 13th of this month at the Punchline with John Doerr. Oh, and I was fantastic. like, like I'm just featuring for him. I'm not going to make any money. I'm paying to get myself there, but I love. For some reason, I love going to do shows with my friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like. I'll go, yeah, I'll go to fucking Houston and, and do a show with you. And, but I don't do it a lot because I'm not going to make any money. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't express this enough. I hope, I hope that you get the experience I got watching you. It was that oh, much wow, fun. Man. It was, and I, I, I'm, I'll be very, I'll be, well, I'll be very, um, he's playing with the softball. You see that? You see that? Oh, yeah. He's Holy doing shit. He's doing tricks for us right now. He wants to get on the fucking. He's podcast. doing the thing where he holds the the hose for the leaf floor straight up and down, and he's got a softball hovering. Yeah, he look. He's doing look. He's doing it for us now. He's performing. He's the Tiger Woods of leaf blowing. <laughs> look at that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, an orange. Do an orange. <laughs> You're like fuck, <laughs> fuck you. That we eat those, motherfucker. <laughs> He's looking for a fucking orange now. Oh. Should I go reach an orange for him? Oh, what if it goes into? It's his gonna thing? clog up his. <laughs> it's gonna clog up his thing and explodes on his back. Wow. Uh, um, no, he, he's just doing, looking for an excuse to steal your oranges. So, uh, but what, what was I just about to say before Gabriel started? Uh, uh, um, the road. The road, the, um, oh, fuck. Fuck, Gabriel. God damn it, Gabriel. <laughs> but no, but like, it, you, 
the road is doable. It does fuck with depression. It does. Um, I don't. I don't have depression, but I, ha- I probably have like whatever low grade depression people probably regularly get. Yeah, I think there's a, a normal uh, amount of depression in everybody. Yeah, and I get that, and the road definitely exacerbates that. Um, but there is a way to do the road where you go in. If you, if, especially if you can fly in Thursday morning, do Thursday night, press Friday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and bail Sunday morning. Yeah, that's not that bad. Um, small towns, you end up, you end up kind of fall in love with the small towns. Cause, oh, wow. yeah, because you end up going there a lot. So like, I'm going to Des Moines in, I'm in Virginia Beach this weekend, Des Moines next weekend, Calgary the weekend after that. I've never been to Calgary, so that'll be depressing. So I'm like, I'll have to figure out the city. But once you've gone there a couple times, yeah. you're like, oh. Uh, I got people that'll come to Des Moines that come see me and I hang out with. Yeah. And, and I and like usually I'll do like some sort of five K not usually, but I have done five Ks in cities. Holy shit. That'll get you out of that that'll just get you out of the apartment. I'm going to a a wine mixer in Virginia Beach with some fans. Oh, that's like, cool. hey you wanna do this? That makes it more fun. I drink a lot on the road. That fucks with me. Yeah, I, I don't drink. You don't drink? No. I stopped like four years ago because I would get sick every single time I, I maybe I have an allergy but like and I wasn't even a big drinker I would just socially drink but if I went to a party the last time I drank and I had one beer and the next day I felt so sick yeah and I was like why do I even bother I'm not drinking to get drunk at these parties even why am I even socially drinking and so I just stopped yeah um, I still smoke pot yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I haven't been drinking lately. Um, that's just because I started. I got very in, in like not in, introspective, I guess. Yeah. As to what am I, what am I here for in this world? Like, why am I here? Yeah. I, I really have been phoning everything in for fucking forty two years. Yeah. I've just been. I'm very lucky. Yeah. But I, just, I haven't been working very hard. I've, I've been doing what I love. Yeah. And I work hard at it, I yeah. guess. But I don't work as hard as I could. Didn't you just record a special? I just did a special, and so I, right How'd before that, it was f- fantastic. Awesome. I mean, can I tell you something? By yeah. the way, this is going to dial in, I think, a, a similarity we have. Candidly, between me and you, if I wasn't doing this, yeah. and, and that we were like best friends, yeah. I tell you, dude, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. I worked really hard, yeah. and I think, i got to be honest with you, I did like an hour 20, mm-hmm. so out of that, and I did two shows, I think I had... On both shows, there were probably like nines. They were fucking fantastic. Awesome. And so you edit between the two of those. You got a home run 10. I'm very proud of it. Now, the way I really am in life, I would never say that. Yeah. I, I'm so embarrassed to say that. Yeah. I say that to you to, to prove something way. about what I feel is social media. Yeah. And you you deleted your Twitter account. <laughs> yes. But that's how... That, that was dumb. But but I fucking <laughs> want to delete mine. I'm like, yeah. it's it's we're in this world of narcissism begets art like so so our biggest social media people are are technically now our biggest artists are just simply the most narcissistic people oh and that is who leads the charge so out of control dude i've really been like like in my own head and so fucking uh like really fucking questioning social media lately like like fucking now Snapchat, dude. Snapchat has fucking made me want to almost delete every social media. Snapchat, I I'm uh, Snapchat shows you how the most interesting people in comedy are the saddest human beings alive. <laughs> there, I'm telling you when I say this, and I will not say names, but I will tell you, the most popular stand up comedians 
are by themselves all the fucking time. <laughs> I didn't have, even think of it that way. They don't way. have any friends. They don't have any friends. <laughs> and you realize that as they were as they were tweeting and they were funny in Twitter and as they were Instagramming cool pictures, yeah, that's great. But when Snapchat is watching me type uh, in my twi- tweets and that is me yeah. alone and I'm watching these people and I'm it's, and, it's opening the curtain and revealing Dude, I it breaks my heart. Like I literally called someone yesterday and said, "Hey, would you like to go for a hike or something?" <laughs> because because I know the guy is just he's just sat is just there's no way you can be happy in that life. I I never even thought of it that way. That makes perfect sense. To me, it's all I see when I look at Snapchat, like every single person's I look at, I'm like narcissist, narcissist, narcissist. The, all their cameras are on rear or front facing. So everyone's Snapchat is just them. Yeah. And it is just them sitting in their car. Sitting in their car. Coffee. And why is it that the cars Lane. look all European? <laughs> Every time someone's driving in Snapchat, it looks like the driver, the, driver, the steering wheel's Fine on the leather. Side. Yeah. It's, and it's just. It's just me, 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 me. Here's a picture of me, and then, oh, dude, and it's bleeding over into like Instagram, where like they so they've got those weird filters that put weird like dog ears and shit on you, and so now people are are screen grabbing or saving those and putting them on Instagram, and I'm just like, it is so fucking out of control. It really is, and it's well, I my my downward spiral started with um, vlogs. So I got obsessed with this guy, Casey Neistat's vlog, mm-hmm. and then very quickly realized, oh, this is like, this is propaganda. This is almost identical to what Hitler did. Like, really, very close. <laughs> They're very close cousins. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got a dog, huh? Like, have you ever seen his, his videos of him no. up, his, up at his house? No. Oh, I've, I've watched everything there is to know about Hitler. Uh, Hitler had a dog, right? Yeah. So uh, so it, it was propaganda that backfired. He wanted everyone, he wanted to show the human side of himself. No So he goes shit. up to his mountain house, and he has all his generals with him. Ava's with him. And the, the dog eagle's comes nest. Over. The eagle's nest. Yeah. And the dog comes over. Over Jeremy Shepherd, obviously comes, <laughs> comes of course comes over, and Hitler goes to pet him, but the dog goes and like freaks. No, yeah, because clearly Hitler's not a he good pet owner. Beats his fucking he, dog. Of course, he beats his fucking dog. So it backfired, and then I started watching Casey Neistat. Casey Neistat has a fantastic vlog. He's I'd also everyone, the Hitler of dogs. I tell everyone to watch it. However, <laughs> after a while, you start realizing what is the the equivalent of the dog quiver of 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 his propaganda machine getting out of control. Yeah. And 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 it's fine, dude. I, I'm not it's not made for me. I'm forty three years old. It's made for children. That's why he doesn't curse in it and he bleeps out curses. Yeah. It's made for children. That's who's watching YouTube. Yeah. I got into vlogging because of Casey Neistat and this guy, Mr. Ben Brown. Mr. Yeah. Ben Brown's is more of an artistic vlog. Casey's is more of an ego driven, like I sit first class, I have nice cars, I have a nice house, I have a really cool office. Look at this, I got this present. I just throw it around. Like he's really it's really narcissistic. It's it's a little hard for me to watch now because I've watched so many of them. I can't watch it. But um uh but that is where I started noticing the narcissism, really noticing oh, it. Yeah. I didn't notice it in tweets. Yeah. Like, Humble Brag was brilliant. It really was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that was great. Because I didn't catch those. I never did either until Harris started that account and started pointing that shit out. And I'm like, fuck. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Oh, I'm so guilty of it. I'm oh, it's so early. I'm in my trade. I'm like, yeah, I'm announcing that I'm on a set working on a TV show. Yeah, and I, and I never realized it until he pointed it out. That's a miss. I wish that guy was still alive. I, too. I, I never met. Too. I think I met him before. I definitely met yeah. him in Houston. 
Um, but I never got to hang out with him. Yeah, he's I just the best. think I watched his improv, improv group in, yeah. in Houston. But um, but and so <clears throat> I started noticing it there, and then I started noticing it. I started noticing a long time ago on Instagram. I stopped putting pictures of myself doing cool shit because I was like, I don't think anyone wants to see this shit. And then my and then my and then I when I got onto Snapchat, at first I was pretty fascinated by it, and then I was like, Oh, this is this is heartbreaking. It's crazy. Like I can't I can't watch it now. Like I follow this one girl, Albie is her name. Uh She's basically just a whore. I mean. I mean, really, honestly, and if she isn't, then she needs to change the way she represents herself on Snapchat. Yeah, because it's basically her smoking blunts, covered in tattoos, and everything is a picture of her tits, her ass, her. It's it's. Lit- I mean, and her like biting her bottom lip, and and like, and I I just was sitting there like, I go, I gotta I gotta unfollow you only because I think you're sucking away parts of my good serotonin. <laughs> yes. Like even like some of the porn stars that I follow on Snapchat, I'm like. They're not even posting nude photos. Yeah. Like, why am I... This You're doing shit that every other girl on Snapchat is doing. Yeah, no offense. The reason I follow you is because you have drool hanging from a dick to your mouth. <laughs> the, the, I don't follow you to see you hanging out in a pool with some fucking DJ I in Miami. I don't care what you had for lunch. I don't care what you had. <laughs> unless it's cock. Fucking... Uh, yeah. it, like, I... That is so fucking true. Snapchat was like... Is is I think, I, I think was my, the rope's end for me. Yeah, it was the biggest eye opening. Like, oh, we have a problem with social media. You know, it's and I tweeted. I think I tweeted. I may have Snapchatted it as well, but I tw- tweeted it also because that Snapchat shit disappears after like twenty four hours. But like, I was like, I'm so sick of watching everybody just post fucking photos and videos of themselves i was like i there are people i'm friends with who i follow on there who like you know you have that story thing on snapchat where and i'll I'll like in i'll click on their name to see their snapchat and then i just keep clicking and it's it's like 60 snapchats of them in their car fixing their hair and i was like this is fucking crazy and then I started getting like text messages from girls, not even just girls, but guys too, going, Were you talking about me? And I'm like, actually I wasn't, but if the fucking shoe fits, yeah. I'm actually talking about everybody. That's the truth is that I, I love when I get a text message and it's a dick. I gotta be honest with you. I get excited. I'm like I'm like, finally, man, this is what it was meant for. Yeah. I mean this'll this'll tell you how how when I signed up for Snapchat, that was when it was dick pics. That's it, yeah. And I my 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 handle was Romeo Horsecock because I was like, that'll get some dick pics. <laughs> and now that it's turned into a legit social media thing, I'm like, I feel silly that my handle is Romeo Horsecock. Romeo Horse. It is the worst. It's the worst social networking uh, app that's come out. Yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, uh, there are a few people I think that are that are actually fun to you like watch. Like, there's a, some people that I met on Trip Flip on my show on Travel Channel that mm-hmm. I watch their Snapchat, and they're actually it's all about their family and their their kids. So it's cool for me yeah. to look at it and go, "Oh, it's cool. Your kids are growing up. That's yeah. cool." Um, there's a couple of female comedians that I don't mind that are that if there's a selfie, there's drawn stuff on it, and, yeah. it's, and it's and it's promoting their shows, which is fine. But man, for the most part, I was my heart was breaking watching some guys. I was like, I was like, guys, man, like, like you are the fucking prototype for like why you end up getting married and have a family because that is what 
it's, yeah. it's out there. The the um, but yeah. You, how did you, you? What was the takeoff for you for Twitter? Why was why did you? How did you get so big on Twitter? I I started early in Twitter, and then um, I think Sarah Show was still on the air when it when Twitter was going, and uh, so I I had been on it for a while, and I had like two thousand followers, and then Sarah joined. And in one night, she had 5,000 followers. And I was like, God damn it. I've been on here for like almost a year, and I have 2,000. Granted, she's silver, but I was still like, fuck, I've been here for forever. And so this was a Monday, and I was like, I'm going to do like this weird thing. And so I tweeted, if I get 5,000 followers by Friday or by Saturday, no, by Friday, I'll read all their names in a video, like I'll just sit in front of, you know, cam chat or whatever it was at the time. And I'll just go through and I'll read every single person's name. And I sent that tweet out and I started getting a few followers, not many. And then, and then my friend uh, texted me. He's like, dude, I just did some math. And he's like, if you get 5,000 followers, that's going to take you like, like four hours. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And so I just didn't mention it again. I didn't retweet it. I, I was like, I'm just going to let this go. <laughs> and then somehow rain Wilson saw it and he retweeted it. And my numbers started fucking really going up and I was getting really scared. And then, um, that Friday, the, my last day people had till midnight Friday night, that last fucking day, Oprah did a show about Twitter Oh shit! Oh, and after Rain Wilson retweeted me, I think somebody at Twitter put me on a list where, when you used to sign up for Twitter, it would suggest who to use, suggest who to use, and if you didn't unselect those, you were just automatically following them. So dumb people would just not do that, or people who are not dumb but just didn't, yeah. weren't getting it would just automatically be the following. people that are not tech savvy. Exactly, they would just automatically be following me. So I was getting a lot of followers that way now and then fucking that friday oprah did a show about twitter she had ashton kutcher on and jimmy fallon and she signed up for a twitter account oh my god and as soon as she signed up for a twitter account every housewife in america started signing up for twitter and were just automatically following my numbers went up so fucking high in one day that i had to just like halfway through friday i just put my account on unlock like you couldn't follow me unless i approved it because i was like this is out of control i can't read this many names tomorrow and also half these people don't have these people who are now following don't even realize that i'm gonna be reading names and so (laughs) i think i got up to like eight thousand followers or something uh by midnight and uh so the next day i all day it took me like six hours i just sat there and read are you serious i did it yeah and then, but then from that point on, I was getting like a thousand followers a day, every fucking day, and sometimes more. And then, uh, you know, I, it wasn't long before I had like a million, 100,000 followers, but like a lot of them didn't know who I was. A lot of them were spam bots and the people who I didn't know or who, or who didn't know me, I would get like probably anywhere from 10 to 50 tweets a day at me going who the fuck are you you're not fucking funny why am i fucking following oh, that's fucking just really angry like yeah aggressive and i have done nothing to these people <laughs> and they're just like who the fuck are you and so i would just uh gabriel come here for a sec so i just deleted it 
And you, how many did you have when you deleted it? 1,100,000. Gabriel, this is my buddy Steve. Hi, Steve, Gabriel. This is Gabriel. How are you? Oh, that was, you? That was great what you were doing oh, with it. Yeah, the... you can do this in your show. Oh, here. Yeah, yeah. It's an okay, audio show. Talk to the microphone. Tell them what you were doing. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm the gardener here for uh, Mr. Uh, Albert for uh, 20 years. 20 years? Yeah, 20 years, yeah. See, okay. T- 20 years or 25, right? 25. I know this house for 25 years. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know Mr. Uh, what's the his name? Uh, yeah. He's worked this house for 25 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, long, long time. I know this orange tree was little. Now it's no a big tree. Wow. Yeah. So time passed too fast, it, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So he's uh, your friend or your yes. partner? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Business, <laughs> businessman. Yeah. yeah. Business friend. Oh. He's a comedian. Yeah. Oh, comedian? Yeah. Oh, give me your signature. Okay. Okay. All right. Is famous or not famous? No, no, no. Very famous? <laughs> yeah. No, not like enough. A, yeah. Like a Charlie Chaplin? Uh, not that big. <laughs> you know Charlie Chaplin was a Mexican. He born in Mexico City. But no. They, no, is that true? One, they took to Europe. And then he came to the United States. They kidnapped and then, him and took him to Europe. Yeah, yeah. In Mexico. <laughs> Michoacan, Mexico. No. Yeah. Not true. Yeah, right. No. Yeah, right. Are you serious? Yeah. I'll yeah, I'm up. serious. Okay. Yeah. He born over there. And you never hear about this? His story like uh, like uh, Hitler. Hitler uh, born in Argentina, and then they took to Europe. And then when uh, almost he passed away, he, they took uh, returned to Argentina. He passed uh-huh. away in Argentina. Hitler? Yeah, Hitler. Really? Yeah, That's so nice. it's... Uh, yeah, okay, so <laughs> I'm finished with the show here with the orange. Uh, you can put it this and... Like that, that's great, and then uh, that look cool. What are you doing with your flamingos? You you selling or no, no, we're leaving them. The girls love them, they growing, the gr- they, they growing. There's they, a lot of yeah, big flamingos out there. It was a prank, I really. Put, Someone did it to us, and the girls loved it. And so, the bath, probably. yeah, I put water and I give feed the, the grass, I put so they growing. Oh, perfect, perfect. It's awesome. a Cuban uh, flamingos, yeah. You never been in uh, flamingos? Uh, I have, I've been ca- to Florida. Casino? No. Oh, the, in Las Vegas? Yeah. I have, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's nice and beautiful, but yeah. When I don't like it's when you gambling, you have no money in your pocket, so that That's the worst. Yeah, yeah it's right. When you lose all your money. So you have any eggs <laughs> for sale now? No, we're eating them. We get oh. really, We should have gotten another chicken. We're only getting like uh 3 eggs a day, 3 eggs every 2 days. 3. Oh. So we're eating them like we're, we eat them before. Yeah. Before. So what uh maybe I bring a boyfriend for them. No. So oh, that would be so loud. Okay. You won't sleep. Yeah. No? <laughs> no. No, we don't want any more You, you want no more babies? No more babies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I should bring my uh, princess, my rabbit. It's a white like this big yeah. one. So she play with the, uh, with the chickens. Really? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, princess uh, and the coca. Coca get lost the last of the year. Somebody steal it. Oh, really? Coca is uh, a rabbit. Great Someone rabbit. stole your rabbit? Yeah. Ugh. Beautiful rabbits. It's, uh, you yeah. sure a coyote didn't get it or something? No, no. Someone took they, it. Somebody moved across the street and they take it. Uh. Is it in here? No. no I, I don't see it? nobody here. The back, was the back open? Yeah, I okay. open. Awesome. I have my key here. All right, brother. Well, thank you very much, Okay, Gabriel. thank you for we'll you your Tuesday. interview. It's nice to meet you. Great to meet you, oh, Gabriel. Oh, my book. Oh, shit. My book. I need my book. Give him his book. So I can read, read it and... Uh, Next time, next time. So, oh, next okay. Time, next time. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, Gabriel. Okay.
I'm not. I'm a mess right now. Yeah, okay, so All right, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you very much, Gabriel. Um, he was. He came in. I was doing a podcast with Luis J. Gomez, and he came in, and I left, and they talked for like fucking twenty minutes in Spanish. I don't, no, Luis doesn't speak Spanish, but he started talking to Luis in Spanish because he assumed it, and Luis was like, I, "I'm American." <laughs> I don't know about the Charlie Chaplin from Mexico thing and Hitler born in Argentina. I don't believe that either. Uh, I feel like that might be true with Hitler. I, I know a lot of the Nazis fled to... No, but he wasn't born in Argentina. I don't know. I know, no, no. There's no way he could have been born in Argentina. But I know that's where a lot of the Nazis fled. Maybe that's where he's getting that. Probably. So wait, let's get back to Twitter. So, uh, yeah. so, so... Oh, yeah, so I just deleted it because I was sick of just the constant negative... Shit! How soon until you? How soon after you deleted it did you regret it? Days. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into Twitter at the time, and uh, um, it, I deleted it. And then, well, this is we'll give you the time frame of when it happened. I went to a screening of uh, or the premiere of uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, really? And as soon as the movie was over, I want my first thought was, I wish I could tweet how cool I thought that movie was. And then um, I said to someone, I was like, oh, I just want to tweet about how cool that movie was. And they're like, so just fucking make another Twitter account. I was like, all right. And so I did, and it's slowly getting back up. How many do you have now? I think like 120-something thousand. I have like somewhere around there, and I don't think think anyone – I think there are 2,000 people that read on my tweets. Yeah, I feel the same way. And it's – I think it's at a good number. I'm I'm like totally fine with – or it is so how did you I, I'm, I, I I hate to like divert this to two people that I'm fascinated with but yeah. how did you meet Sarah and then tell me about Janine I met Sarah um, after my stay at the Groundlings because you know Groundlings is basically just classes you take classes to learn improv and sketch writing and I wish then, I'd done that and then uh, and then after you know after you do all you do a class and then you do a show and then you do the next class in a show, and then you do these writer's lab where you write a sketch show. And then a- after that, they vote, and they're like, yeah, you've been here five, you've taken all four classes, we think you'd be a good like actual company member to do shows. And they voted me out. They were like, yeah, we think you're done. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yeah. And you I would do that in Hollywood? <laughs> I know. It, well, the crazy thing was, that was my life for five years. I was so engulfed in the groundlings like i was working in the office to pay for classes i would i would tape shows for people at night to pay for classes and like it's where i met all my fucking friends who like i still hang with and i was just like like, who anyone that's working now that we know yeah maya rudolph and i were in uh in classes together maya rudolph is that i get maya rudolph confused with uh Quincy Jones is Rashida Jones. That's Rashida, but Maya is, is in uh, the Bridesmaids. Yeah. Oh, she's fucking awesome. She's great, and she's one of my best pals. I've known her. I mean, it's been like over twenty years now. Really? And uh, you know, we were just kids together. You know, and uh, I was at Groundlings. You know, who else was there? When I was at Will Forte? Like all these people. Will Forte? You know who's you know who's really talented, but I don't. Uh, I don't remember his name. I'm really bad at names, but uh, yeah. the guy who was the other cop in Superbad. Oh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader is so, so fucking, fucking talented. Funny. Dude, like he might be someone that that I go. I might be watching everything he ever does for the rest of his life. 
Even like, shit that he's in that's not great, he's fucking great. He's really. I watched him the other day in uh, in Tropic Thunder. I watched Tropic Thunder with my oh daughters. Oh my god, dick swinging low. <laughs> he's so fucking good. So I'm sorry. Keep going. He's so good. So yeah, I was I was there at a really great time, you know. And uh, I was there when Kristen Wiig was there. I was there when she is fucking amazing. Melissa McCarthy was there when I was. She there. is fucking amazing. Like some heavy hitters. And so when they pulled the rug out from under me and like they're like, well, you're done. I was like, wait, I've been here every day for five years. What do, what am I supposed to do? Like I literally I woke up the day after they cut me and I was like, I didn't know what the fuck to do. Was, I went into that's when I started going to therapy because I got into such a deep depression. My girlfriend at the time was like, you have to see a therapist. You are like really low right now. But that's like that's like taking stand-up away from me and and maybe just a group of comics saying hey you're not good enough to do to do this and i'm going well you don't know how good i can be or even not good enough but just it would be like a bunch of comedians saying you're not the right fit for us and then you you can't do comedy anymore it was just weird and then i had a buddy that uh and by the way there are clubs that do that oh yeah in yeah. In, in comedy there are there are what is it, what do you say like six, maybe four different clubs in the city, five different clubs in the city, and I know that there are definitely two that have told me, "Hey, you're not good enough to do stand up here." That's crazy, and, and it's bizarre. But then you just write it off and go, "Well, I'll just do it at the other three. Yeah. and then and then and the, but that's how it works for a lot of us. I know. I mean, look it's at uh, look at like uh, um, I'm trying to think of a great like oh, fuck. I'm gonna I can't think of a great example. Oh, let's say. Uh, uh, Howard Kramer, who I think is fucking amazingly talented. Yeah, but there are clubs that go, oh, you're not, you're not right for us, and and you're like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, you're you're wrong about saying that. I'm not saying that that happened. It, to well, Howard, no, I'm I saying. know, but it's like the whole alt comedy thing versus straight stand up, where it's yeah, so, and so I think that, it can work in both places. I think it can. I think funny is funny, but keep going. Yeah, and so so I had a buddy after that who uh, he was doing a play here in. Hollywood and like three or four days before the play started someone dropped out and they needed someone to uh, fill in for this guy in the play and they needed a guy who who's funny who uh, could learn the lines who could act and who, who could also play guitar and I'd been in bands and stuff and so he, my friend recommend me he's like and the guy who wrote the play and was starring in the play was this guy Dave Juskow He's like a New York comedian. No, Dave Juskow. Does he have a brother, too? I don't know. But Dave know had Dave that Juskow. show on like Comedy Central, uh, or he was part of that show, TV Funhouse, with Robert Smigel, was the oh, puppets. Okay, yeah. um, he's a really funny dude, and he wrote this really funny play. And uh, so Dave was like, okay, sure, he can do it. And so I did this play, and the opening night, Sarah, uh, Sarah's like best friends with this guy going back to New York. And so... She was at the opening night of the show, and afterwards she came up to me. She's like, "Hey, you were really funny." This was like, uh, it's probably like two thousand. God, this was either like two thousand or ninety nine that this happened in. Holy shit! And uh, so I was like, "Oh, thanks." I, and I was telling her like, I don't like doing plays because I don't like doing live shit where I have to memorize. For the record, Sarah was not who we know her to be today. No, she had done. She was been still- on SNL for a year and done a bunch of stand up and you know, she showed up and you know, guest starring and stuff. Yeah. But she wasn't the big star that she is now. She probably d- just did, d- done um what about Mary 
or Mary. yeah, she had done What About Mary. Uh, and so uh, I was telling her, I was like, I don't like doing plays. I'm afraid I'm going to forget my lines. You know, it's not like TV or commercial where if you forget, you can just cut and do it again. So I, and I really do, I hate doing live shit like that because I'm, to- I have a really horrible memory. And, uh, and I was like, so I get panic attacks. And I start telling her about panic attacks. And she, that's what we bonded over. Yeah. She was like, dude, I used to get the worst panic attacks. And, uh, and we smoked a joint. And we sat out front of that theater like for hours just talking. And then literally hung out every day for like years after that. Like we were total buds. And, uh, and so she wrote a part for me in her uh, Comedy Central show. Really? To the, I mean, and that goes back to you, you know, not knowing who I was until you saw me on Sarah's show. I hadn't done anything. In fact, when Sarah wrote the show, she was like, uh, you know, I want to have Steve, Brian Posehn and Steve Agee. They're like, whoa, whoa, who's Steve Agee? She's like, he's my friend and he's really funny. And they're like, we don't know who he is. Let, let's get somebody else, someone with a name. That we, And she's like, no, I wrote this for Steve. And they're like, we don't know who he is. And so Sarah called me and she's like, you have to put a tape together. And another thing we bonded over, I used to make dumb short videos, little dumb videos, just out of boredom. And uh, Sarah thought they were funny. She's like, just put all that shit on a tape. Like I had one called Cry Baby, where it's literally just a video of me walking around the house naked crying. And, uh, <laughs> and then I had another video where I'm, masturbating <laughs> i'm laying it i wake up in bed i wake up in bed and it's like thanksgiving and i'm like oh my god it's thanksgiving you know what that means and it hard cuts to me like just a wide shot above my bed i'm naked jerking off there's just a black bar over my dick and i'm just like just saying anything that has to do with thanksgiving like oh oh family arguments oh cranberries <laughs> oh dry turkey like and it's like five minutes of me just jerking off to fucking Thanksgiving. And that's what I sent Comedy Central. And they're just like, fuck, okay. <laughs> they're like, this guy's fucking psycho, but all right. <laughs> that, that's all do, I had on tape. Did you do one? Did you do one about you dreaming or something? Maybe. I think I saw one a long time ago of you doing like you something about something in a dream. I forget. You were sleeping. I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe. Um, I'll find it. I'll find it because I remember. I, I, but I think I saw that one. So, so then you go and you do Sarah's show, and then that's got to fucking. Does it? Does it? What's the feeling? Because I remember being at Comedy Central for a meeting, and I remember they were like, uh, "If this pitch has anything to do with convincing Sarah to go back to work, we'd love to hear it." And I was uh, like, I was like, well, I, I was like, I didn't even know. I was like, I love that show. And they're like, yeah, we're trying to get everything back together. And then all of a sudden, they pulled the plug. Yeah, they right? fucking canceled it. Yeah, and I was like... It was I, an expensive show. Was it really? That's not, that's not Comedy Central's thing. They don't like expensive. Yeah. That's why they do like the Daily Show and shows that are very inexpensive to make. Now, um, was it did, it... did it stink when that disappeared? Were you just like, fuck? It was, uh, it was kind of depressing. 
by the end of the third season, we all kind of had an idea that it was going to end. Like, really? we didn't know we were reco- we were shooting the last episodes when we were doing the third season, but we kind of had an idea. In fact, when they started writing them, the writers all felt like this is probably going to be the last season. So they just wrote huge episodes, like outrageous, like crazy. The third, I love the third season. It's just crazy shit, you know. Me and Brian having a robot baby that like we bring to life by praying to the devil and it's like killing people and just crazy shit like that. We went nuts with the third season. Uh, so when they pulled the plug, we weren't really surprised. Yeah. It was kind of a bummer, but um, yeah, I mean, it was great for me. It got me agents and it got me more work. So it was, I, I, I hit the jackpot. Sarah, I would not have a career if it wasn't for her she's uh, every time i see her I, th- I feel like i feel like i have the need to reintroduce myself because i don't think she'd ever remember me I, mean, I, I don't know about that uh i think i mean i think i feel that way too about everybody i, I mean i'm I, always I, like steve we met like yeah i do that all the time all the time i never would assume someone would know my name and yeah. I, to the point where i do that to the door guys at the store every time i go there i go hey oh. bert anytime i am the the store is the worst for me because I, I i do it so little that like I'll go and I the first thing that I say as I'm walking up to the door is like I'm doing a Red Band show, yeah. And they're usually like, "Yeah, we know." Yeah, you're one of I'm the like, biggest I, shows on Comedy Central. And I also <laughs> have a problem with faces where I'm like, I think I know this person, but I'm not sure. So I'm always like, "Yeah, I'm Steve," and they're like, "Yeah, I, I, we've met." You know, I have just maybe it's just a low self opinion of myself where I feel like I'm forgettable and like. So I'm always feeling the need to reintroduce myself to people. You know what I mean? I look at your career and I go, as soon as that Sarah Silverman thing happened, I was like, oh my God, he's working every single day. I wish. I get, that was the best gig. That was like, that was really the only steady acting gig I've had. But I feel like everyone would plug you into writing and like, and I feel like you'd probably be able to to direct something and like, I I don't know. I'd never want to direct. It's so funny the way you perceive someone via like social media. Yeah, because like you you did those vines were, that were on Vine Street. Was that oh it? you know it was uh, the Hollywood Minute or where I would interview people. Yeah, and it would just end abruptly because it was a six second. I loved Vine, but then it it got to that same Snapchat level where I'm like, oh, there are people making thousands of dollars from you know getting paid to vine who are just terrible and i mean some of them are funny i know some of them who are funny but like there were just so many Jason people. nash is funny yeah there were so many people that were getting rich off it and i was just like not <laughs> i was yeah. not and I, so i was like i mean maybe part of it was jealousy like fuck why are these people <laughs> buying houses and i'm still living in a studio <laughs> and i also just got sick of yeah, six seconds. Fuck that. Do you find yourself turning down stuff though? Like, is there <laughs> not really, really? Yeah. See, like I, because I always feel like, do you feel like that you get the moniker of like of like almost artsy art, where where people wouldn't go to you with like, hey, we're doing a burger eating show that that travels around yeah, the world. Yeah, Would yeah, you yeah. want to eat burgers? No, no. I get stuff like that comes to me, and I'm always like, yeah, like I, I'm now that I'm in my forties, like well into my forties. I'm like, I'm just constantly thinking about bills and eventually wanting a house 
So I'm like, I'm not looking anything at anything negatively, you know. It, yeah. I mean, some things I'm just like, Ugh. but I'm an actor, so I want to, you know, I can act in something that's not great and still do the best that I can. Yeah, and uh, pay my bills. Would you do? Would you do a show for Travel Channel? Sure. What would you want to do? What do you like? I don't like traveling. Uh, that's <laughs> that's another reason why I do the road. <laughs> That's the only thing that comes to mind is like the word travel. And I'm like, huh. I like watching all that, but I'm like, uh, I used to have a horrible fear of flying. I got over it very easily, but, um, uh, whoa, how? Cause I have a horrible fear of flying still. Okay. This is a great one. I was flying to New York. This was like 2010, 2009 or 10. It was during the last season of Sarah's show. Uh, I was flying, I flew to New York to open for Sarah for the New York comedy festival at this place called, I think it's called the Hammerstein ballroom. Yeah. And, um, and I already hated flying. I had a little bit of a fear of flying, but I was like, whatever I can do this, especially I'm getting paid. So I, I usually when I'm getting paid for something, I will fly. I'm just like, I'll just suck it up. Yeah. And so I flew to New York and it was top three worst flights of my life as far as turbulence really it was the plane was just bouncing all over for the full like five or six hours and like i was just white knuckling it and i was just fucking terrified to the point where we landed and i got off the plane and i'm like i have to find another way home i'm i can't fly i don't ever want to fly again that was horrible and so i I was like, I can't rent a car and drive. That's just, I'll, I'll crash. I'll fall asleep. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take the train. I've never been on a train in my life. And I tried to, you try and justify this shit. So I'm like, it'll be great. It'll be like, you know, Kerouac, you seeing the country and I'll get my own little sleeper car and I'll just write. I have a script I need to work on. I'll write for three days, three days. And, uh, and so I did it. I got a, a train, <clears throat> got into my little cart, got out my laptop as we leave whatever Penn Station or Grand Central Station, whatever it is, 20 minutes into the fucking train ride. I am fucking nauseous because I'm trying to write. I'm trying to write and I don't realize how much a train just wobbles back and forth. Yeah. So I'm getting fucking motion sickness trying to look at my computer. And this is 20 minutes into a three-day train ride. And so I spend the next 18 hours just looking out the window at the horizon just to keep from getting sick for 18 fucking hours. And we get to Chicago. I get off of the plane, off the train, buy a plane ticket, <laughs> fly back to L.A. in horrible turbulence. But it was really eye-opening. I was like... This is nothing. This turbulence is nothing. Yeah. I will be home in four hours. Not too... Like, I beat the train home. Like, and yeah. I've never had a problem flying since. Oh, that's so crazy. I will take any kind of turbulence over a f nauseating train ride. <laughs> I love trains. Oof. I love trains. But you I, know what I'm talking about? They kind of wobble. Oh, yeah. They just move. They just shake and shimmy the whole time. I probably would have been fine if I hadn't been trying to write or read. <laughs> I don't get motion sickness. So oh, I don't like. I so, get it bad. Oh, yeah. So I don't. I like I, a train ride for me is not is not that bad. <laughs> it was fucking brutal. We took a train in Vietnam 
And uh, oh shit, yeah, and that was I was I loved it. Yeah, except they're smaller over there. They're the, they're the old communist trains because that's where they got <laughs> the communist trains. You know, like the, it was the same ones they got in Russia. It's the ones that built the commies built. Yeah, so they're tiny. There's no like comfort is not was not their their so it's deficiency, not comfort. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I love trains. I uh, I get claustrophobic. I just started getting claustrophobic. Yeah, not on train, not on planes. But uh, but in life, I, n- I never was never claustrophobic, wow. and now I'm I'm starting to notice that I do get claustrophobic. Um, but I had a friend who used to get claustrophobic once he got in the plane, and I was like, Oof. "Oh, that that would drive me nuts." But that doesn't happen for me. My thing now yeah. is I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to I'm trying to reel back my drinking aggressively to the point where it would be not that it doesn't dictate me. Yeah. I don't want it to like, and it does to this point. It does. Uh, there are times where I do not control it. I can't There's control Bert, it. The drinker. Well, no, no. It's it's when I fly. Oh, I, I can't. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah. control it. I have no control over it whatsoever. I um, think that's a common thing with a lot of people. I've been on a lot of flights where, like, morning flights, the person next to me is like Jack and Coke. Yep. I'm like, I, wow. I flew from Portland the other day, and I was trying desperately not to drink. And she said, came up to me. She's like, "Can I get you something before takeoff?" And I just I watched my mouth go double Jack and Coke or double Jack on the rocks. She was like, "Okay." And I was like, great. So then I had it, and I flew the whole flight home with one drink, which is fine. That's good. But I leave for Virginia Beach Thursday morning, and I can promise you that I don't, all I have to do is a show, that one show that night. I know I can do it pretty in the bag. Yeah. So like, I pro- like the hard part for me will be like when, when, it does, when there's nothing on the line, when it doesn't matter, when I'm not coming home to see my kids. Just to have it. Like, what will, will I really slow myself down and go, uh... Is it for you? Is it because it calms you down, calms or is me. it just a habit? Like, like I well, go get a fucking coffee every morning, even though I don't always drink it, just out of fucking habit. Uh, like I have to do it, or I feel I go crazy if I don't get a coffee. I had to stop drinking coffee because I was getting anxiety attacks. Like yeah. I was like to the point they were bad. Like my face was going numb, but I think it was. I think I was imagining it. Yeah. Like my and yeah, and I um for me. I get nervous, so I tried to fly to Portland without drinking. So I was doing my special, and I was I was like, I'm going to stay sober for the week and really work hard, yeah, and not be bloated and fucking big droopy eyes when I get on stage. <laughs> but on the flight there, I was like, I can't fuck. I literally gave up, and I and I started crying as we were because it's like everything's heightened. I noticed that they're yeah. taking a different route than normal. Like why like, aren't they why going are we up turning the left yeah. instead of right? Why are we going over the Inland Empire? Where the fuck are we going? Yeah, and then they're going through clouds and it was bumpy, and I just was like. I was like, I saw my, I found myself tearing up, and I go, why can't I do this? I'm literally crying, going like, yeah. this is. I put, I put my sunglasses on. I was like, how do I have no control over this? How do I not? I'm, I'm 43. I've done yeah. everything scary there is to do. Anything in the world, I've done yeah. it all. Yeah. And I, and I'm, and I can't control this. And I was like, and I have a show that I'm working on tonight that I'm really focused and I want to do well and yeah. I want to make sure it's good and I can figure out what's not good so that I can make it better. And I had three drinks on that flight. And then on the flight back, I was like, all right, I'm fine. It's early morning. I'm going to go. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a coffee. Yeah. I've never gotten a coffee at an airport ever. <laughs> ever. And I was like, I'll get a coffee. Yeah. And I'll like feel good. I'm going to get a good coffee. I can afford the calories. I would have had cocktails anyway. Yeah. I'm going to get a cafe latte. Yeah. And so I get a cafe latte. And I'm like, good. I'm feeling good. Get on the plane. And then as soon and as, soon as I, they, I sit down, I start feeling panic. And I'm like, stop it. You're, it's in your brain. I... Through therapy, found that my issues with flying were, I mean, even before the thing with the turbulence, that just put it over the edge for me. I was afraid of flying for a long time. 
uh, I remember in the nineties, I took a flight from Sacramento to Burbank, which is maybe 40 minutes, really short flight. I had one of the worst panic attacks of my life on the plane. I'm sure it wasn't related to flying, but the fact that it happened on a plane after that, I would associate panic attacks or associate flying with panic attacks. And so I didn't fly for like eight years. Really? Because I was afraid of having – it's terrible having it on a plane because there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Nowhere. You're on a fucking tube in the air. And so when I eventually started going to therapy, my my therapist helped me figure out that my uh, my anxiety with flying was a control – like I have a control issues. I have control issues. I get on a plane – I am out of control. I have no control. I don't know what the pilot story is. Maybe he's having a bad. So I have like a million things subconsciously going through my mind. Like I have no control. If we crash, nothing I can do about it. Uh, it's the same reason I'm a bad passenger in a car. Like if I go on a road trip with someone, I'm always like, I'll drive. I don't like sitting in the passenger seat. Really? Yeah. I feel completely helpless. I love sitting in the passenger seat on a car ride. Oh, man. I can't. I have. I have control issues. Someone told me that it. It. Um, so I don't know where I heard this, but my panic issues started with one traumatiz- traumatization as a child, mm-hmm. where I where I was. I didn't have control over the situation. Yeah. Where I was put into a helpless situation. Yeah. And I can think of like three or four. Like I yeah. can. I, I. Were you bullied as a kid? No, not really. I. Uh, You're always a big kid, I guess. Right. No, I didn't hit my growth spurt to like freshman year in high school. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, no, it was, uh, I can trace my panic attacks back to the moment it happened. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I, I got sent to military school and I went to really? school where they filmed taps. I don't know if you saw taps. Uh, you went to Valley For- Forge military. Yeah. You know it. My Nana lived across the street from that Wayne, Pennsylvania that, so, you know, the, you know, the track and field area. Yeah. Um, this is, you were probably, you, uh, maybe you were, when did you, when, when you were in ninth grade, when were you in ninth grade? Uh, like 80, it was, it was probably already a development then like 84. My Nana, my, my mom's mom owned all of the property from, uh, St. David's, which was across the street all the way. All the way well past Valley Forge. No and shit. And it was one house. It was one house oh my that was God. there. And they turned it into a complex of like older people's homes. Yeah. And my Nana still lives there. Oh, my I, God. Yeah. I, I, I watched the Villanova game last night because of my Nana. Dude, I went. that's where I went to school for two years. I got kicked out of a high school and I got sent to school there for two years. So wait. So, so keep going. I'm sorry. And so, uh, oh, yeah. Panic attacks. One, one day I was walking down the hallway in the barracks. And two of my friends were wrestling, play wrestling, just fucking around. And they fell to the ground, and one of the guys hit his head on the corner of the doorway, which was cinder block, split his fucking head wide open. And everything there is like, I mean, it's military, so it's like everything is light green, like lime green. So like just dark red blood just really contrasted that. And I can just, I can still like close my eyes and plain as day see that kid laying there with his eyes rolled back in his head and just a put like just like in a movie a a big puddle of blood just forming out of the back of his head and uh it was horrible and i remember going 
after you know the paramedics came and took him to the hospital, he was fine. Um, I we went to dinner in the mess hall, and I sat down with my food and I couldn't swallow. I would take a bite of food. I couldn't for some reason. Uh, I mean, learned much later that that's a form of a panic attack. It's like, for some reason, your body shuts down and you can't swallow. Like, and that's a, a fucking involuntary. That's like blinking or breathing. You shouldn't have to think about swallowing. You know what I mean? And so that was my first panic attack, and it was that day. And you know, looking back later, I it was like that was probably like when I realized like we can all die. Like we're all more, I was like 17 years old. And that's when I was like, this is all finite. We're all going to fucking die. And, uh, that's when all my panic attacks started. The, it's so funny. You say can't swallow. It's like the first time, but not the first time I, but the f- first time I got really high, mm-hmm. like when I was in, I was probably, a probably a sophomore, maybe a junior in high school. Yeah. Um, I got, I got really high one time and I couldn't swallow and I panic and man. I, and I was like, how do, how come I can't figure out how to swallow? <laughs> That's panic. And it only builds on it. It's like the, oh. the snake eating its own tail where you're just like, I can't swallow. This is terrifying. And, and so you just, and then you're terrified once it's over, once the panic attack is over, you're then worried about it happening again. <sighs> That's the fucking horrible that's the worst part for me about panic attacks is not the actual panic attack, which is which is bad, but they only last for a few minutes generally. Sometimes they last, you know, longer. Generally, it's over after like, for me, like five, ten minutes. As soon as I can get out of wherever I am, it goes away. But like, then the fucking shit is worrying about having another one. I've, I had uh, probably my first... Uh, maybe the first one I ever had this is going to sound so obvious, but like I didn't realize I didn't realize what was going on. Of course, you never do when it first happens. Um, my my our neighbors, the Suarez's were uh, there were the, there was a party across the lake from us. Yeah, and our neighbors were over. And they said, you know, we should take a boat over and um, and go spy on the party. It's high school kids. I was I was maybe 10. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, ooh, that would be fun. So we all get in the boat, me, Chris Suarez, and Gilda Suarez, his mom, and my buddy Chris. Where is this? In 11, Tampa. Okay. So we paddle like real sly. We're having a blast. We're like, oh, shh, shh. So we get up to the, we get up to the, uh, the bank and we're like spying on them and all of a sudden they see us spying on them. They think it's two kids. They start throwing oranges at us. <laughs> Fucking oranges. Or fuck, they're throwing like fucking baseballs at yeah, us, really. That hurts. And they start hitting us. And they and by the way, there's like a hundred kids throwing fucking oranges. It's Tampa. There's an orange grove. Yeah. They rub one uh, hits Gilda Suarez in the face, and her face just starts bleeding. And and Chris is yelling and crying, "My mom, my mom!" She's crying. I'm getting pelted by oranges, <laughs> and I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> we paddle back. And it's bad. It's bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. all, it's, the, like the joke is not funny. <laughs> it's really bad. Everyone's fired. worried about Chris's mom and Chris, and because Chris is crying. And I went up to my room. <laughs> this is like in a movie. I went my up to my mom. room and I, and I just I like got my like the you like fetal position. I got into rocking. fetal position next to next to my bed and just started crying, going like the fuck, the fuck. Like, there's nothing safe in life. Like, there's nothing safe. <laughs> 
And I was like, and from game over, man. From that day forward, yeah. I had panic attacks. I'd have them at night, but my dad was not sensitive to it. Yeah. Like I remember one time realizing my dad. I was. I realized. I realized that my dad would die. Like I laid yep. in bed, and I, it was very shortly thereafter, and I was like. Fuck man, if that what if that what if my dad could die? And I walked into my dad's bedroom and I was like, Dad, I was, I was ten years old. I go, Dad, Dad, tell me you're not gonna die. And he goes, No, True. buddy, we're all gonna die. You're gonna die too. And I went, oh, what man. the fuck? Oh, and then man. I just went to bed. I'm like, I'm gonna die. I was like, This is not cool. <laughs> and then my panic attacks manifested themselves with watching Carson. And I would, it, it, I don't know if you ever had like the the. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone's got whatever version, but like almost the blinded panic attack where it seems like everyone's shouting at you yeah and and like carson's head looked really small and his body looked big and he was just screaming at me and i'd just be laying in bed being like fucking go away uh, and yeah. no one knew it yeah and no one and then i kept mine secret for fucking decade man i didn't mention i didn't admit to having a panic attack until i was 30 no 20 yeah 28 and 28 i was like i remember saying to the doctor i went to my wife had dumped me and we had broken up, and she was about to take me back. And she was like, you need to see, like, a therapist or something. I think you have a lot going on. Yeah. And I went to a therapist, and I said to them, I was like, he was like, what are kind of issues? And I was like, well, I have a fear of flying and this and that. And I was like, sometimes I get in the shower, and it's like I can hear the shower yelling at me. He was like, what? <laughs> I was like, it's like, it, like I don't know. You ever have it, like, where it's, like, yelling at you? And, you know, like, and, like, you feel like gravity could just disappear, and you could shoot up into space. And, like, there's nothing finite, and there's nothing real or tangible in life. And... <laughs> And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know. You ever get on a plane? And like, I, go, I kept describing blinders because I'd get blind, like, like tunnel, tunnel vision. vision. Yeah. And, and then you couldn't determine what side was up or what side was down. Oh, or you yeah. could, maybe you could hear the devil or you knew that hell was real. Like, yeah. do you ever have that? And he was like, I think you're having panic attacks. And I was like, I was like, what's that? And he told me. Then he gave me Xanax. And I quickly became addicted to Xanax. Uh-huh. And then, and then, <laughs> and then I just, and this once, and then right around then, a buddy of mine had them, and and he had said that Sarah had had them. Yeah. And then I started hearing people have them, and then they got easier to deal with. The yeah. second I realized other people had them. Oh, that was for me when I moved to L.A. And, like, I had I didn't, like, verbally say anything to anybody until I was, like, yeah, probably mid to late 20s. Yeah. And even then, it was just to my girlfriend, who I was living with. She didn't know for the longest time. She was always just like, "Why are we always sitting near the exits on a in a fucking movie theater or, or in a restaurant?" And because don't, aren't you afraid someone brings in a bag of gasoline's going to dump it on us and let us on fire? <laughs> yeah, you don't like. She fear. had no idea until finally one night I just cracked and I was sobbing and I was telling her all this and she's like, "You're having panic attacks, you know?" And <laughs> that's the worst. And then then I started. I found the more I would talk about it with people, the better I would feel and the less I would have them. And then the more I started talking about it with my friends in comedy and acting, then I was realizing fucking everyone has, especially like people in the artistic world. Like I'd mention it to a friend. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's like in this restaurant. I all of a sudden I felt really hot and like I couldn't hear anything anyone was saying and i just had to leave the the restaurant and as soon as i got outside the restaurant it all went away and he's like yeah that's a panic attack i have those like twice a week (laughs) i was like what yeah he's like yeah and then i 
I started just volunteering that information up to everybody I would talk to. I was like, you ever da 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 da? They're like, yeah, dude, all the time. And I felt so fucking great. It helped me deal with it for a long time. And then it just kind of, then that became not enough. And then I started seeing a therapist. And uh, Would you do a show where you voluntarily put yourself into panic situations? Yeah, because I it doesn't. I'm on medication now, and it doesn't. What are really, you on? Lexapro. Does it work? Yeah, it really stopped the panic attacks for me. Really? I mean, I still get anxiety. That's because what I that's get. normal. That's what I get. I get general anxiety these days. Now, not so much. Panic attacks are kind of are kind of kept. At, I've had I've had a number of panic attacks. Yeah, but my uh, what I'm doing at Travel Channel kind of induces them. And yeah. like like scuba diving, fucking! I watched a girl die scuba diving. Not, you did not. Well, let me let me. I'll tell you. Saw you. the girl get the bends who eventually died. No, 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 no. I what? Let me. So we do our training in Fiji. My but my dive buddy is this girl Callie. She's like my producer. One of my really good. Friends. I have a scuba. I'm certified. Are you really? Uh-huh. Oh, let's go scuba. Dive. I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, so did my sister. Yeah. What? Uh, what? What? It, you did, did you, do you go scuba diving often? When I because I grew up out here and my family had a cabin on Catalina. And Are so you serious? We would. I spent every summer as a kid on Catalina, snorkeling. That's where I first scuba dived. And really? Then, and then in college, I just got certified, and uh, like I went to you know like Micronesia and you know like Palau and those places and. Uh, I haven't done it in dec- – like I would have to get recertified I think because I haven't done it in so long. But uh, I used to love it. So we do we did our, cer- our certification in Fiji. We did pool certification in Denver and yeah. then and then did <laughs> yeah. our open water certification in Fiji. Nice. So the first, one, the first dive – That's amazing. The first dive we did was really cool. It was at 50 feet, which isn't that deep. No, that's about right. It's that's about, perfect. I think that's a perfect depth. I do too. <laughs> Quite honestly. You get down to 100 feet. It's, I've done – I found – did you find there is – an there's an opposite equivalent of a fear of heights with True. scuba diving, like yes. a fear of depths. <laughs> yes. Like when you yes. are 130 yes. feet down and look up, it's fucking horrifying. It's terrifying. Because then you're like calculating, oh, if I fucking run out of air right now, uh, and you just, it's terrifying. I wish I, I, I had a, a bit, not a bit, but a bit about my first, my first open water dive like legit like where i could go down by myself with a group though was at 90 feet which is too yeah. deep and i That's ran out of air at the bottom <laughs> and uh really i told this to Fuck. the moth people because we were gonna, i was gonna tell a story the woman was like very they're really good at story she's like it's very one note because yeah. you, you know because you do live so i know the end yeah. but it's funny the joke i make on stage is you you ascend it 10 feet a minute so I was like, watch, this is how quick you ascend. And I walk 10 feet in one minute. It's slow as fuck. It's real slow. It's so, so literally we're buddy sharing, going up, and then hit an octopus at the thing. The thing, the thing that really freaked me out. So we do like our oh, first one at 50 feet. And I had a panic attack descending. And I kicked back up. And then I was like, I'll be fine. And then for me, a lot of it's playing to the camera. And once I play to the camera, I'm, I'm a little more relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I disconnect sure. emotionally. Yep. But we do our next one at dusk. Well, we, the, the last certification at dusk, and because we're just trying to get it in, we got done shooting. They're like, "We have time for a dive. You want to go?" Yeah. We do it at dusk. We get down at dark. We get down to forty feet, and it's me and Callie. And all we have to do is the one where you know you're holding each other's BC, and the one person takes their air out and says, "I'm out of air." Yep. And you pull your 
alternative air source and you give it to them and they do that's all we got to do and we're done we're yeah. certified i'm holding on to her i'm like a foot from her face so she goes pulls it out i'm out of air i pull my alternate air source out i give it to her she forgets to clear it and breathes in water and oh, I, we're at 40 feet there's no quick there's not and i look at her and she oh, oh, and rips it out and starts reaching for hers grabs mine i'm like huh Huh? And I'm watching her die. I'm watching her die. I'm like, oh my god, this is what death looks like. This oh, is, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is it. It's really, um, it, it it doesn't care about your hairstyle. It doesn't care about the face you make. It's, it's sheer really, panic. It's sheer panic. Yeah. And then our guide, our dive guide. This is why they make those guys. He just fucking John Holmes her and just shoves his alternate into her mouth and just hits the air button. Just like just hammers her and so it's just <laughs> air and she ends up being able to cough out the water Fuck. and take the air in. And then we all go up to the top, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I just watched you. I mean, I watched the I watched the first act of death. Yeah, and it it blew. It's and horrible. I, and then the next day, we went to do that ninety foot dive, and I had a panic attack going down. Of course. And I was like, "Uh, I know what death looks like." I remember when we did our open water certification. I think we did it in La Jolla. I think it was La Jolla, but like they, this was a class I took in college, and so they would. They would constantly warn us of all, like you know, all the fucking horrible shit, like nitrogen narcosis and all that shit. And they, they're like, they're like, you shouldn't drink alcohol, like, like party, like the night before your, because that, that's gonna like raise your chances of getting, you know, the bends. Because it's, I don't know the 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 science behind it, but like you shouldn't really be drinking, you know, because it, yeah. it thins your blood or whatever. I don't know if that's the reason, but it's, it's something like that. And so the night before we went for our open water certification, like we all went to a fucking party and got, I mean, like blackout shit face drunk. <laughs> and we all show up the next day down in La Jolla and we're all fucking hung over and we were all so scared to fucking go in the water. And I was like, I was like, I don't really want to do this now. I <laughs> I'm still fucking. There's still alcohol in my fucking blood. It ended up being fine, but one guy had such bad panic attack. He like bit through his mouthpiece, you know, on his uh, his air apparatus. Like he was like 50 feet down and just bit it right off. Like he, he his jaw was so clenched. I have I never had a problem with scuba diving, and I did, and we used to do it. Growing up in Florida, it, we would go out to the the Bahamas and we'd just drop a tank at the bottom of the ocean, uh-huh. and like like you know twenty feet, maybe twenty yeah. feet, thirty feet, and we just drop a tank and we go on and we'd breathe off of it and swim around. Oh yeah, that's and then cool. Just make sure to exhale on your way up. It was like it was you know, I think I think for the most part, I never had a fear of it, and then and then. I had a panic attack doing our our class in Denver just because in a pool in a pool <laughs> at six feet at six feet because she said all right so we're gonna go down and I'll, we'll go through the class it's gonna be about twenty minutes and when I got down there I thought I can't sit here for twenty minutes 20 and minutes. I literally kicked time. up to the top and she came up she's like are you okay I go I don't know if I can sit on my knees for twenty minutes like I don't know if I can be down here and she's like okay I was like can I like break it up and like and I think for me it was control. It was yeah. like you don't. Oh yeah, for sure. You you you're telling me I have to do this for 20 minutes. I don't want to do it. What if I don't want to do it for 20 minutes? For sure. It's, it's such a weird fucking. The brain is the the human brain is the fucking worst, dude. Now do you, do you get do you get like social anxiety around people? Yeah, I hate being in public. I hate 
like I went to a, a, a like I'll go to a concert and I will fucking hate being in the audience. I get such I don't know if it's claustrophobia or just like you know fear of crowds. Like I'm way more comfortable on a stage than in a crowd watching yeah. like a show. I fucking I don't. Yeah, and I feel socially awkward. Like I really like fans and stuff like that, but like when I act, it comes to actually talking to them, I feel just as socially awkward as they do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you can tell when someone comes up to you to talk to you after a show and they're nervous and they're like, "Hey, uh, can I get a picture with you?" And you can you put your arm around them and you can feel their fucking heart beating through their back. And you're like, holy shit, calm down. Yeah. Like, I get that way too sometimes, though. Like, I'll just, like, there's just way too many people for me to talk to right now. And I, I'm just as nervous as they are. I get like that. I, I get, if I'm sober and I got to do pictures after a show, yeah. I start going like, because I'm like, if I was drunk, I'd just be like, does anyone want a picture? And I don't give a fuck. But when I'm sober, <laughs> I'm like, I realize what I'm saying. Yeah. Does anyone, would anyone like to take a picture with me? I'm so important. Yeah. And then I'm just like, oh, I sound fucking horrible. Yeah, I think, I think that I've been medicating with alcohol my whole life. And I think just recently I was like, all right, I need to, if I want to live a he- healthy, happy life. Yeah, it catches up to you. Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> what was Janine like? Oh, Janine was the best, man. I've she had was... a crush on her since I was literally 20, 23, 22 probably. Yeah, I'd always had a crush on her, and she was so cool. She came out here to work on 24, and so they were putting her up at a hotel, and she was she lived in L.A. for like you know three months, and I met her early on in that time, and she was at Largo. She came to a show that Sarah was doing, and she... Uh, God, it might even have been the old Largo, and she asked, you know, if she could do just like a drop-in set, and I just started talking to her, and she was just the nicest person. I still, I, I run, I only run into her ever now, like at festivals, like uh, in Port. I, I think the last time I saw her was in Portland last year, and yeah, she's the coolest. Yeah, I wish I'd, I, I'd, I think in a parallel, I, I worked with her one time, but it, it did not go well. Really? Yeah. Well, I, what I, you know what is it's one of the shows i saw you on the other day was uh flop house oh yeah yeah and one of the things one of the reasons i like that show and this is gonna this is gonna sound shitty i hope it doesn't sound shitty yeah one of the reasons i like that show is because i know that every single one of those kids will cringe at that show in 10 years oh yeah like they will hate the way they represent themselves but it's it's part of being young yeah and and I, I was that ki- I was one of those kids where it was like I got it dialed in, I got it figured out, I got my persona. Yeah. I'm here to go. All right, this is how I behave. Yeah. And for me, it was a lot of like what people call bro comedy, but it was like toothbrush on the balls. That's what I do when I go to a party. <laughs> like it yeah. was just fucking horrific. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, she's and, not like that at all. And I I worked with her and she like I went I was like <laughs> ladies and gentlemen and I give her like a great intro because I'm such a fan of hers. Janine Groffle, and she comes up, and I go to give her a handshake. She went, new things. And I went, oh, and everyone groaned. In the, because you know, of the touching the balls I'm stuff? I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think she was being a jerk. I think she was yeah. probably making reference to whatever joke I had mentioned I'm with sure of touching it. myself. Yeah. And then she was like, I think I'll pass. Yeah. But uh, but I had always assumed that that she would see me and go, oh, that's the kind of guy I end up falling in love with. Yeah. And then we'd end up dating and then being staying friends. Like I just, oh, but I man. but I was always drinking Janine. That I was like, I was like, oh, we'll fucking get along so great. Yeah, and and then it never. 
That's such a bummer when that happens. I remember the first time I met Mark Marin, who I fucking love, love. And really, I was a huge fan of his in like the 90s and everything. Like when I first was just really seeing. When, Man, he can deliver a letdown introduction. Huh? Dude, remember, <laughs> remember in the 90s when like there were so many stand-up TV shows, you know, like the A-List and, you know, Comics Unleashed. There were just so oh. many comic shows. Yeah. And so I watched them all religiously. So I knew all these people like Marin and uh, Jake Johansson, Paul Provenza, all those guys. Yeah. I was huge fans of all these people. And then, uh, you know, I started doing Sarah's show and I started, you know, getting asked to do comedy shows around town. And someone was doing a show at the Steve Allen Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. It might have been Doug Benson. But whatever it was, it was there was like a bunch of comedians on the show, and it, it was me and Doug Benson, Marin. I think I forget who else. But I, I'm talking to uh, to Doug. There's like a small group of people, like backstage or in like one of the corridors somewhere, and Marin's there, and Doug, and like a couple other people, and we're talking, and and then I'm like, I'm gonna go. I gotta go to the bathroom and I'm walking away and I just hear Marin go, What's what's that guy's deal? Who's that? <laughs> you know, total Marin. And uh and that was the first time I met him. He's like, What's that guy's deal? Oh. And Doug goes, Oh, it's Steve. He's a he's a comedian. He's he's on uh he's on Sarah's show. He goes, Oh God. And that crushed me. Just hearing him go, oh, fuck. Or, yeah. I can't remember the exact thing, but it was something to the effect of, oh, fuck that. Or, oh, god damn it. Yeah. Like, like, this guy's just now a comedian because he's on TV. It was that kind of vibe. And I was just like, now that I know Marin, and like, that's just how he is. Like, oh, you almost, you almost feel like you're not. You're not a legit comic if you don't have a good Mark Barron treated me like shit the first time I met him story. Yeah. First time I met him, I was at the Boston Comedy Club in New York, and I was I was working the door. And I, I had – I mean, this is – and now I feel – once again, and this goes back, and I hope those the kids that do Flophouse don't take that as an insult at all. Of course I enjoy not. the show, and I, I yeah, think it's yeah. fun. I think it's a great way to show new comedy. Sure. As opposed to Premium <clears throat> Blend, which was my option as a kid. Yeah. But like – um. But, like, one of my things was, like, you know, I'd wear baseball hats backwards. But this uh-huh. is, like, the Fred Durst day. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, cringe. I cringe now. Like, uh-huh. I'd wear a Hawaiian shirt and a baseball hat backwards, jeans and flip-flops. And that was my – and I get on, I get off stage and Marin goes, what the fuck was that? Oh. And he just lights into me. You're uh-huh. a fucking – they put a bill on it for a reason. It's uh. to block the sun. Now is it ju- – what is this? What? And he just destroyed wearing hats backwards. And it was like – and it was all stuff that you'd hear – your father say to you if he saw you with your hat backwards, yes. oh, and yeah, it was yeah. so insightful, and it murdered. And I sat in the back, and I was like, I was like, there's no way I can disguise <laughs> that he's not talking about me. Like this isn't, he's not making a joke about Fred Durst. This is about me. And I, he used you as a springboard to go into a whole bit, destroy. And yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck. And then I just <laughs> hid because I was like, I don't want him to have to walk past me. Because like he, w- I would work the door, so he would have had to walk past oh, me to leave. God. I hid in the bathroom, and I was like, "Let him leave," and I won't, I won't have to run into him again. And then, um, and then, <sighs> and then I, then I became friends with him. Like I'm, you know, I'd see him around, and he'd just say hi. And then next thing you know, hey man, how you doing? Hey, Good. Man. Yeah, and, and then he breaks into you, and then when you. 
do share that one time that you met him and he says that he's like oh did i do that oh yeah yeah he doesn't even remember it doesn't even remember it it's one of the great things you know about he was i still to this day there's guys in this business that that are that give you that rough exterior that almost make you fearful of being Instead of like going to a room because you're afraid you're going to run into them, yeah. And but then you know them, get to know them, and they're like the sweetest guys in the world. Rich Voss, Rich Voss was terrifying when I first started. Yeah, he is the sweetest fucking guy I alive. You know who I used to be fucking terrified of was Brody Stevens when I Are first came serious? to LA. Yeah, I would hang out. This was he's one of the com- comedians I have an earlier memory of. Even before I was doing stand up a lot, like I back when I was playing in bands, I used to come to the old Largo on Fairfax every mo- Monday night was comedy night at Largo, and that was like at the height of Mister Show. So I would go there to see Bob and David and fucking Greg Barrett and Mary Lynn Rice Cub and Karen Kilgariff and Laura Keitlinger and Sarah and Swartzen. Oh, wow. And uh, it was just like the best fucking time to watch comedy, and especially that alt comedy. And um, uh, that I was just, a great. That was a great. Oh my god! Period of comedy. And I just always remember, like, I would want to go up and talk to them. Like afterwards, I wasn't like doing comedy at the time. I was just like playing in bands, and I was just like out, hanging outside of the club, out you know, out on Fairfax, out on the sidewalk. And every now and then I'd be like, I'm going to go up and say something. And then Brody would be there just being really loud. And I was like, that guy scares the shit out of me. Being Brody. He was just being Brody. And uh, I just remember going, fuck, that guy scares me. (laughs) He was one of the sweet. Like when I started in New York, I would try to do the alt rooms just because you could get up at the alt rooms. You could definitely get up. Yeah. And uh, I was just I was ostracized the second i stepped in <laughs> like well but you know what you, yeah. a lot of times you go well fuck those people it was me it was definitely me yeah i i would roll in with a fucking joint and a 40 ounce and my notebook a 40 I, I would buy a 40 because you could get a 40 as opposed to getting a six-pack i get a 40 at the one of the corner stores with colt or old english uh, old english yeah uh, and and i and once again, it's like you, you're – I don't know if – for me, it was a lot of rituals. Like I still have rituals. Yeah. And I get obsessive compulsive about things. So for me, it was like I got to wear I got to wear the same outfit. I got to drink my 40. I got to – and that's how I do stand-up. That's how I do it. And I remember seeing some people that blew me away. Some people that, um, that to this day, I'm like, I can't believe they didn't become bigger. And then – and then – yeah. Some people who are so overrated, but very, I gotta be honest with you, very few overrated people. Like, yeah. I remember being, I remember enjoying that. The people that were overrated were the people that were playing to their friends. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I get that this, I get that your friends find this funny, but I don't. Yeah. Um, and they're, I don't think those people still exist. But, uh, but Brody Stevens was destructive on stage in those rooms. And he was the nicest guy to me. Yeah. He was one of the few people that was very, very, very oh, nice to best. me. But, uh, I look back at that and I'm like, I'm like, I guess I'm just a regular comic, and I was like, I'll work the door at a club, uh, and then the regular comics didn't like me either. No one fucking liked me. <laughs> it's been my fucking story. Of my life is just feeling like an I outsider. Find that's my whole so hard to believe. Life. Well, no, it's. I think people. I think I'm just. I think it's. I think I got some fucking sincere issues. Like I think I be, I I write stories in my head about things like, and I'll just believe them. Yeah, and I and I don't. You know, like I don't know. 
Like, I don't know. I'm, I've always felt like an outsider. Yeah. Like, I've always felt like... Uh, I think it's normal, though. You think so? Yeah, I've always felt like an outsider. Really? Yeah. Like, What are some of your rituals? Oh, don't even get me fucking started. Like, like you have to have a... Like a Jack and Coke before... Uh, no, so now... Uh, now, when I go on stage on the road, I don't really have any rituals, per se. Um, when I'm on the road, but, like, getting ready for my hour, I found myself becoming very obsessive compulsive and i was like all right i need to i need to stop this like for instance i uh i'll try to think of a of a good example um but like the morning uh, like my wife got a bunch of blood work done on me the week of my hour special which is not a good idea yeah because it got me got me in my headspace so i saw anything uh like say say i reached into the into the hamper to find socks and I found two matching socks very quickly. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, see, everything's going my way these days. Oh, yeah. Everything's flowing oh. in a positive direction." And like I and I and I said to myself, "I knew what socks I wanted to wear on stage. I wanted to wear these. I wanted to wear ones that had uh, like clo- like four leaf clovers on them." Uh-huh. And I knew that I had two pair. I had an orange pair and I had a gray pair. And I couldn't find the gray pair. I didn't know where the gray pair was, but I knew I'd seen the oranges around. And I was like very quickly not getting myself into a tizzy, but I knew that the orange pair was around and I wasn't going to lose my shit. Like, see those shoes, those blue shoes out there? I bought maybe a hundred pairs of shoes. I probably bought five pairs of shoes because I wanted to wear the right shoes on stage and then I had to break them in and they didn't come in on time. I had to buy, like, I, like, <laughs> like really obsessiveness. You'd never know it. You'd never know it. Uh, coffee was a big deal with me yeah. because I was like, I, I know, it was like almost like dealing with a drug addict. Yeah. I was like, I know that if I have coffee in the morning, then I'll be tweaking by showtime yeah. and I'll be like uncomfortable. So I'll allow myself a couple sips of coffee in the morning to get myself through the day so I can work out. But when it comes to show, 30 minutes before the show, I want to drink coffee so that I can really feel the buzz of the coffee. And then yeah. it was like just the fucking dumbest. Like so the, weird. And, and, and it was like I couldn't, I couldn't manage it. Uh, I, like the big, big one was that my daughter was in Catalina. And I, I always give my daughters four kisses on the cheek. Like obsessive compulsive. Four kisses on the yeah. cheek every fucking day that I'm home. And say I love you and they say I love you back to me and I'm good. Yeah. And I couldn't give my daughter four kisses on the cheek. I, but I had given them to her before I left for Portland as I had my younger daughter. So I wouldn't kiss my younger daughter the day of the show. And I wouldn't say I love you to her. Oh, oh my God. I would already said it to both of them. That's nuts. Dude. And my wife wanted to kiss before the show. And I said, I can't kiss you. I've already kissed you for the week. And I, until Georgia gets home, for I can't week. kiss you. That's amazing. And my wife's like, and I was like. I was like, I, I said to myself, I want this just to be like a regular road gig, because so that would help me get out of the crazy for me. Because if I'm home and I'm waiting to do the show, then it makes me crazy. So I was like, I'm getting a hotel room. I'm just driving down to the hotel room. And sadly enough, the second I got in the hotel room, everything turned off, and it was like doing the road. Yeah. But when I was home, I was watching everything build, and, and my wife's like, my wife's like, can I come? You want me to come back before the show? And I was like, in your ha- in my head, I started dealing with like the not homeostasis is the wrong word, but with the equilibrium that is not yeah. being allowing crazy in, but not getting too far off. Yeah. But then, uh, and then the first show went fine, and then once the first show went fine, I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck about the second show, and none of it was there for the second show. Like literally, I, literally in between shows, everyone, agents, everyone, the network, everyone came in between the second shows, between the two shows, and hung out and drank. And then I I drank for the second show too, and I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. But that first show, man, I was it's like just getting started. I'm the same way. I I will very often leave to go to a gig 
way earlier than I have to. Like if I'm doing a set at the improv, I will sometimes get there like an hour or two before I have to, just so I don't have to sit at home thinking about it. Because once I get there, I just go hang out at the bar or whatever, and I'm fine. And then the other thing I do is uh, is write set lists. Yeah. I have a real problem with like before a show writing out the set list, even oh, yeah. though I I have a notebook that is just full of the same exact set list. Like if somebody found it, they would think I was a fucking serial killer. They'd be <laughs> like, like, it's like the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy from like The Shining. It's like, why does he have this? so many times and it, every now and then it will vary when I try to put in a new joke but like for the most part it'll just be the same fuck even if I'm doing you know when I go to the punchline it'll be before every fucking show I'll sit down and I'll write the same fucking set list well, just to put myself at ease you know what I did this is I'll show you on the way out uh, as we'll go through my house are you scared of dogs no okay um, but uh, so I uh I had this set list and I had planned out a way to spend my day so that I wouldn't get crazy. So I was like, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take my set list that like, I want to say it's, it's like it's in in my notebook, but it's, I'd written on a couple different pieces of paper. Owls yeah. are also a big thing for me. So if I see owls, I start getting like really excited because I go, "Oh, I'm going in the right direction." Cool. It's like uh, it's like uh, I, I am. I think I might be fucking crazy. So um, so. Th- uh, I said, what I'm going to do is the day of, I will focus myself something artistically to keep my mind distracted. Cool. So I bought two stools and I said, I'm going to just take a paint pen and write my set list artistically on the two stools. And so that I don't have to worry about my set list on a piece of paper, I'll oh, have it true. written on the stool yeah. in paint pen. And then I was like, fuck, I should have something nice for my daughters written on the bottom so that if I get, if I get, if I get in my head, I can look at that and be grounded. Well, it's just crazy shit. So no, I spent the day, awesome. I spent the day working on these two stools and then I brought them on stage with me and I used them for each show. That's awesome. I used those stools and then immediately someone wanted to buy the stools and then everyone was like, are you going to auction these off? And I was like, I was like, part of me is like, I think they're more important to me than anyone. Because like that that I don't think anyone's gonna in ten years somebody's like wait who was Burt Kreischer again but I'll still go oh that was the, the stool, stool I had <laughs> so I'll show you them on the way out but I like oh, that's I really cool. that's a great idea I spent the whole day working on these stools and just writing just writing my set list out the way that I needed it to be so words would trigger memory you know like so that if I did get lost which I, I didn't even look at the stool in the set yeah. but if I did get lost I could go there and go oh I know exactly where I yeah. am yeah that kind of that's, that's the, the stuff that I think dials back anxiety for me. I that's so funny. I remember because I have such a bad memory. I don't know if it's the pot smoking or what, but like I have, I really have a horrible memory, and so like I always have a set list with me, even if I just have to keep it in my pocket. I usually like to keep it on a stool. Yeah. A lot of times I don't have to look at it, but if I have to, it's there. It just makes me feel better. It just makes me feel better. Yeah. And by the way, I've, I've lately the last month I've been taking my my whole notebook out with me to make sure that I covered everything because yeah. I, I don't want to do my special and not cover all of the course. ports I want to hit. And I remember the first time I did the comedy store, I was terrified. I was nervous, and I'm backstage and I'm writing out a set list like I always do. And someone was walking by one of the comedians. I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was, but they just walk by and over their shoulder they're like. No set lists at the at the store. Can't bring a set list out on stage. 
And I was like, says who? I whoever this fuckhead was. I don't remember who it was. I don't know if they were trying to fuck with me or not. But I, then I was like, instantly in fucking paranoid mode, and I was like, oh. what do I do if I go? Out? I can't go out there with a set list. And so I got a sharpie and I fucking wrote it on my shoe. Oh my god! I wrote it just keywords so I would remember on my fucking shoe. I That's how it. fucking dependent I am on set lists. I it, for me it's that it's the it it is the uh, it's the extra oxygen. It's just the thing that I know that if God forbids. And by the way, it doesn't go wrong. When I do stand up, I never look at my set list. I never look at my notebook. I mean, I'll look at it now and then to try out new yeah. shit. But like, it's just to know it's there. Yeah. And and for me, and I've never given a shit when I see someone on stage with a set list. I ne- I could give two fucks. Fucking every band in the world has a set list on stage. When Zach Galifianakis would go to his set list, I'd get excited. And I'd be like, oh, this is going to be good. This is something yeah. I haven't seen yet. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I never understood that. You know what it was? It was some fucking bro comic trying to say, oh, and all, we don't do alternative comedy around here. Yeah. You can't have your notes with you. Yeah. Well, fuck. Gives a fuck. Just yeah. all you have to do is make me laugh. The only thing you're supposed to do is make me laugh. Did you, the night I saw you, did you, did you have a set list? Oh, yeah. In your pocket? On the stool, probably. Are you serious? Yeah. Do I, you, I can't fucking say it enough how fucking goddamn oh, thanks, funny you man. are that's awesome um so this has been like an hour 40 i could literally talk to you all day <laughs> day i feel like I've, i felt like this i don't know what podcast i heard you on but w- you were talking about anxiety and i was like oh man uh, it's, it does make you feel better when you talk about it it's probably been a million podcasts i've talked about it there's a really good po- podcast by this guy paul gilmartin uh I had paul on my show the I had mental paul illness show. Ha- mental illness happy hour i had paul on my show just so i could do his show and yeah. i just did it to him oh yeah. this is what i got yep um yeah i think uh i'm thinking if i i'm thinking if i live a little healthier because i noticed that when like i was at my healthiest i was not as bad with anxiety like yeah. skinniest like meaning and i know this sounds silly but like you see a lot of these uh a lot of these oh you know what i wanted to ask you about but i'll talk oh, uh, um you see a lot of these people on social media who are saying that, you know, just because you're overweight doesn't mean you're unhealthy. And I was like, today, I was like, no, I, th- I think that's, I mean, to me, I can't say for like, a, I know I'm unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> like for like those, there's a, like a 400 pound woman who like does like pro body issue stuff. Yeah. And she's like, you know, just because you're overweight doesn't mean you're unhealthy. And I was like, okay, maybe for you. But for me, it's a direct reflection. That's yeah. almost like, it's almost like a, it's like a warning sign. Like when I get fatter, that means I'm not living healthy. And I start, I start feeling, I think it goes right to my brain. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that's where it ends it up. It affects me. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't let it, but it always affects me. Yeah. Like, like if I'll I see a, a photo and I'll be like, Ugh. Oh, I wish it didn't. I wish I had the confidence of those people who can be overweight and they're like, I'm, I love myself. Owning it, yeah. I wish I could own it. I what, uh, have you been following? Um, I only say this because it's like overwhelmed the internet yesterday. Have you been following Jen Kirkman's catcalling thing? No. Ooh. I don't even know about this. She got uh, catcalled in Melbourne. And like, p- p- by the way, the wrongest person to catcall. Like, if I these know, guys fuck. had known who they were catcalling, holy shit. That's like, that's like, she's like out on the street somewhere. Yeah. These four guys like fucking said some comment to her. Oh my God. Of course it would be her that they do it to. I, almost like, and, and part of me, like I love Jen. I would, by the yeah. way, and nothing ever comes out of my mouth bad about Jen yeah. ever. Yeah. And I, and I will speak freely about her cause I know that I love her yeah. and she knows that I love her. But like 
almost to an extent, I wondered I wondered when they catcalled her if she almost got excited like fucking wrong Here person, motherfuckers. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but she went on this like huge, huge like uh that's like dropping the N word to, to Al Sharpton without realizing who you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> like and she went on this thing on Twitter, like talking about catcalling and all these women posted their experiences of catcalling. And the reason I'm saying is Kelly Oxford, who I don't even know if you know. Yeah. Do you know her? She's the reason. I'm the reason she's on Twitter. Really? Yeah. We were both on like MySpace or something. And I was like, hey, you should try Twitter. Really? Yeah. Kelly Oxford was a fucking. She had, one, she had a joke I loved uh, that I fucking. I remember I was. Can tell you what comedy club I was in. I was in Omaha. Uh-huh. And I read it. It was. Uh. uh Pads, pads are meant for women who like smelling their menstruation. <laughs> Ugh, I love so that. Gross. Yeah, uh, but I was, but she talked about getting catcalled, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "I guarantee." As I was sitting there last night, I was like, "I guarantee you, Steve is someone who's never catcalled someone ever in his fucking life." Oh, never. I I don't understand that. I'm like, I really don't understand that mentality of like, "Hey, baby." <laughs> Hey baby, I used when I lived in New York, I would I would see that shit all the time in New York. You don't see it as much here, not that it doesn't happen a lot here, but just cuz you're in your car more here. Yeah. New York, everyone's walking around, so I would just hear, "Hey baby." I'm like, "What do you think you're going to get out of saying that shit?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're talking to me? Hold on. Let's slip into this alley and I'll suck your balls. <laughs> That shit doesn't happen. Does that ever happen to any of those fucking dudes? I've never. I didn't know that catcalling was a real thing. Oh, I thought yeah. it was a joke. I thought it was like something that, like in cartoons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ow. Yeah. Like I didn't really know that happened. And then, um, and I'm I'm being serious. Like when they said that woman walked around and then did that, I went. I. I this is going to sound horrible, but it sounds whatever it sounds like. I was like. Oh yeah, that's what Puerto Rican and black guys do in New York. But I don't like. I didn't know that everyone took that for. I thought that was like culturally part of what happened. Yeah. Like I didn't know that that was something that felt threatening to people. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I was like, shut up. And then I heard this, and I was like, oh. And then I have two daughters, and I started going, Ugh. fuck, man. Like, what? How do you raise little girls to go? Because I bet you do feel threatened. Yeah. Like, I bet you do get fucking scared. I get really. Uh protective with my girl my female friends when i'm like out in public with them like i'm i'm friends with a girl who's an actor i don't i don't want to name drop so i'm not going to say any names but we were in tell me who she is i'll tell you after we were in toronto and uh, uh eliza dushku no no we, <laughs> we were in toronto for the film festival like like five or six years ago and we're walking down the street and people would just like be yelling at her and i would I almost got in so many fucking fights because I would just, they'd be following us down the side. Go, hey, hey, what is it? And I would just turn around and I'd go, get the fuck away, motherfucker. I would just lose my shit to the Shut point where I'm like, up. almost where I'm like, I shouldn't be friends with girls because it's going to get me in fights. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I, I'm so glad that Jen posted that because I don't, I think for a lot of people, myself included, you almost just, you, because it doesn't happen to you 
because it's not in my wheelhouse and it doesn't happen to me, and I don't see it happen to my wife because if I'm with, and it just, it's also we're in LA, but in New York, yeah. like I literally was like, shit, I didn't realize how fucking. And oh. then I started saying like I definitely say hi to people. Is that like no? I say, that's not. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like I definitely go, hey, how you doing today? I do a walking around the neighborhood if I pass someone who's walking. I do dog. it in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Tate Fletcher said, hey, tomorrow take some time and smile at old people and like say hi. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I did it, and I was like, I watched this old lady light up, like, yeah. like how? Because at a certain point, age, you feel invisible to society. I know. Like no one, like you don't count anymore. Horrifying. It really is. Well, I, I, dude, I thank you so much for coming over. I, well, let's do it again anytime. Let's do it again because and you come do my podcast. I would love to. You, did right. you just? Uh, that wasn't you. Someone just tweeted that they haven't done their podcast in a month, but they're doing one. Is that no, you? No, it was me. Yeah, I, it was I was gone for a month, and I uh, a new one just launched last night with Mary Lynn Ricecub, who I, I love. I love her. Yeah, I do too. She did something. This is when I first. The strength of what, and I'll say alternative comedy, but like when I saw the power of what was happening in that scene, yeah. it was probably 2001, yeah. 2000. Yeah. I was out in LA. I was watching something. This was when like uh, Zach would do the, do the, um, uh, rip the piece Annie. of the paper, Annie, yeah. and then the black women would sing. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, I can't explain it. It was just so You should great. rent. Zach Galifianakis live at the Purple Onion to whoever's listening to this because oh. he does it. It, it. That is like a good example of like that kind of comedy where he, he ends it with, you know, well, you should just see it. Zach Galifianakis live at the Purple Onion. It's really and uh, and Marilyn Rice Cub went on stage and I did not know who she was. I like I I, mean, I don't think anyone knew who she was at the time, uh-huh. but like she did a character of a spokesmodel. And what it was, I don't even know if this still exists. It does, but now it's just on. Now, now it would be a character of someone who's on Snapchat, a hot girl on Snapchat, because that's yeah. all they do now. Yeah. But it was so spot on, and it was so funny, and so insightful, yeah. and so brilliant that I literally was like, I wrote her name down, and I never fucking forgot her. Yeah. And I and I, I remember running into her at the um, at. Uh, flappers uh-huh. and being like hey my name's Bert and I think you're fucking genius and I was like and I remember telling her I, for the record I've brought your name up to like five club owners everyone loved 24 I was like they would all have you in their club you could totally do the road and you could totally make fucking money and she was like what and I remember I remember like and, I, and I'm sure she doesn't remember it this way and I'm sure it probably didn't happen this way but I remember saying like you are fucking hilarious <laughs> you're one of the funniest people I've ever seen yeah. whatever any person that could do what you did that night on stage has an has access to shit no one can imagine I was like I'm jealous of how smart yeah. you are and I was like you should do the road not I'll be honest with you I'd say the same thing to you man well, I think we, there's a ton of I think there is a ton of it sounds silly, but you say a ton of money. But there are a pe- yeah. ton of people out there that would that would be blessed in the well, s- in the thanks. same way that like when you watch a great comic, you wake up Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and you remember a thing they said, and you laugh, yeah. and then you go to lunch with your friends that you hung out with that night, and you're like, "Wait, do you remember when he said this?" And you guys all laugh oh, hard well, as fuck. Thanks, man. You have that. You do that, man. And I I think it's. I understand that tr- the road is a fucking beast, but I think that you're. I think that you're denying yourself well, a let's ton see. of money. Well, let's and a set ton up a tour fans. or something together. Let's oh, I go on the fucking road with you in a heartbeat. Let's go out and do some dates. Uh, let's get a tour bus and let's get like a bunch of fun people. Oh, that do- would be cool. I would be so down with that. Let's do it. And by the way, Mary Lynn now is doing the road like crazy. I know. We and- talk about it on my podcast how how just 
and she only just recently started. I was like, I noticed on her snap or not Snapchat. That's like saying the N word. I noticed on her Instagram. <laughs> I noticed on her Instagram, like she's just always somewhere on the road. And well, I, you know, the crazy thing is, um, she's super talented, and that's the thing that you know you you forget is that like like I'm in Des Moines next week. People in Des Moines have a very different life. They aren't going to get the references to like yeah. uh, to like so like the nuances of Silver Lake. They won't get like a yeah. barista Silver Lake joke. Yeah. So if your acts filled with that, you you won't translate. Yeah. But like what you talked about, what like that night, that is everything they're going through in life. You just assume that it's different because some of them live on farms, yeah, or some of them grew up on farms. We're all dying, dude. They're all they're all we're all, <laughs> we're all the fucking same. And you don't have that that like exclusive act. You've got an act that is just funny. It's just funny, and it, it that's the key to stand up. Is like I go, they go, you do like this alternative comic? No, it's, I like comedy. I like really good comedy. Comedy, you make me, yeah. laughs or laughs. If you make yeah. me laugh, I laugh. Look, there's a lot of fucking bro comics that I go. Jesus Christ, I get it. Like, yeah. I totally get it. Like, not everyone lives that life. Like, not everyone d- runs threesomes and high fives. I remember being at, at UCB once, and I was in the green room. I was, do- I was doing a show. I forget which show it was, but Tom Papa was there in the green room. And I think he's so fucking... Like, he's like a fucking joke writer. Like, oh. he's like so funny... And he's one of those people I think of as like a proper comedian, like a club comedian, like just so fucking He's probably funny. straight up down the line. Club straight, comic. yeah. And I remember seeing him come into the green room and in my head going, what the fuck is he doing here? Like, how are these people going to like accept his like just straight up jokes? And then uh, I watched from the audience and they fucking loved him because fucking funny jokes are funny jokes. Funny jokes and good, well-written jokes. Doug Benson, I did, I did Doug the the, the Benson interruption. Yeah. At uh at Nerdist Meltdown, and he was, yeah. and I was like, I don't know, I don't. They're not gonna like my act. Doug's like, No, you're really funny. They will love it. Yeah. And I was like, No, nah, I don't know. And he's like, Trust me. He's like, Dude, it's just comedy fans. That's all it is. It's not. And and what it is is, I think it's us. It's that guy that walks behind you goes, no set list at the store. And, you know. It's the comedians that fucking make that, sh- that it's, draw fucking lines and, and make by the way, labels. Not it's the, the shitty ones. Yeah. The shitty alternative comics are the ones that don't want good road comics coming in there and going, like, Tommy Jonigan could work anywhere the fuck he wants. But he's scared to go into some places because he's like, I don't fucking know those guys. They're going to make me feel like shit about myself, which I already believe. And and it's those guys that go, they're at the store that have worked at the store since the day they showed up in Hollywood. They've worked the door. They've worked this fucking box office. They've worked yeah. everything. And now they're finally getting spots. And then you show up yeah. and you fucking destroy. And they're like, well, fuck, he's a threat to me. It's, 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 it's a whole thing. is like there was a kid, a kid, I say he's my age, but his name was Roy Johnson. He's a very talented uh, road guy, but he was a little little nuanced into Tampa comedy. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were talking, and he had he was a whole gusto about him. I'm moving to New York. I'm friends with Norton, DePaulo, uh Bobby <laughs> Kelly. They're all going to get me in at the cellar. And I told him, I said, I promise you they won't. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? 
I said, I, I promise you they won't. Because by getting you in, you are now taking a spot from one of their real friends, like Patrice yeah, or Keith yeah. Robinson. And so they won't get you in at the cellar. They're yeah. not going to like vouch for you. They'll, they'll probably go, oh, hey, and they'll say hi to you. But you're someone they know on the road. And until you move in New York and earn your own yeah, way you into the cellar. You have to get yourself in there. Yeah. yeah you're, they're not going to. And he was like, that's fucking impossible. Move to New York. Move back to Tampa fucking six <laughs> months later. And I was like, now he's not even doing stand-up. Not yeah, even do a stand up. Uh, you just like you just like this. Uh, yeah. So. Well, I think you're fucking hilarious too. We should definitely do uh, do some dates or something. Yeah. Uh, let's. I'm. I'm fucking loaded up for the year. I'm ready to rock and roll. I fucking. I. We were talking about doing. Um, I was talking with some people because Dun- you know Duncan Trussell. Uh-huh. Duncan right now is doing a 30 day tour with a tour bus up and down the East Coast, and I was like, oh, that shit's possible. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you get, like, four comics that love to have a good time, love to fucking be in good moods? I love that kind of shit, too. Like, the comedians of comedy where you can just go see, like, a handful of really funny people as opposed to, like, oh, I like this comedian. He's here for one weekend. And why not see him and, like, four of his fucking funny friends in yeah. a rock club somewhere? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All, All right. right, guys. You heard it here. We're starting it. Tell us who you want us to tour with, okay? So I know I we on my podcast with Mary Lynn we talk about that. Let's get Mary Lynn to do it. By too. the way, by the way, you you can't you you don't even need. We can get Christina Pajinski, Tom Segura, me, you, yeah. Mary Lynn, get their baby and fucking bang, bang it yeah. out on the road. Yeah, I'd do that in a fucking heartbeat. That'd be fun. Um, what's what uh what dates do you have coming up? When does this come out? Tomorrow. Oh, uh, well, to, then tonight, Wednesday, I'll be at the Meltdown. Uh, I'll be doing Kamal and Jonah's show at the Meltdown Theater That's in Hollywood. That's a great fucking room. It's a fun one. It's been like a year since I've done it. So that'll be fun. And then uh, April 13 through the 16th, I'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco with uh, John Doerr, who I think is the best. That's fantastic. Um, and then, guys, keep your eyes peeled for our tour. I always just always wanted a tour bus. God, yeah. You know what someone told me one time, though? My agent told yeah. me, she goes, you know, just for the record, it would be a lot more cost-effective if you just Ubered to these places. <laughs> yeah, that's, those things take up a lot of gas. I did a tour with Tig Nataro and Martha Kelly. Uh, it was the first time I did any kind of thing on the road, and we did it. We booked it all through MySpace. Oh, is this the one in the backyards? Yeah, the Crackpot Tour. And we just, for two weeks... Went up the West Coast through the Pacific Northwest and then down through like Idaho, uh, Utah, Nevada, and Arizona. So for two weeks, we just played in people's backyards or living rooms and we just would put out like a donation bucket. We made no money, but we would always just make enough to pay for gas to get to the next. And we just did it all in TIG's. Volkswagen Jetta. By the way, you could do that now and make fucking legit cash. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was back in the MySpace days. Uh huh. I remember watching that, going, "That would be a fun fucking tour." I I learned a lot. I was I was terrified because it was my first time, like leaving LA and just going to strange places, and and also just doing it in people's. It it really helped me. It helped me a lot because it got me over my fear of like performing for like three people. Yeah. Because that would happen sometimes. Sometimes people would be like, yeah, I got all my friends coming. We're going to do the show in our backyard. And we'd be like, great. We'd show up and be like, three people. Did you guys film any of that? We we, we would videotape a little bit and we'd do video blogs. Yeah. Um, 
Tig eventually sold it to like Showtime or HBO or one of those channels and they, where she went around with John Doerr and they did uh they did I think that's the one they aired on like Showtime or whatever it was. I think I saw the ones from you guys for pictures on MySpace. Cuz I yeah. thought that was a badass idea because at the time I was obsessed with Wilco. And I'm still obsessed with Wilco. I love Wilco. I love Wilco. Yeah. And they did those living room shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, I fucking, I tried to get a group of people to get a living room show in my man cave. Ugh. I would fucking. That would be great. No one. That shit pops up in LA a lot. Of, there's a lot of comedians who do those like backyard shows. And, well, those like, kids that do Flophouse do that. By the way, I, I love doing that Flophouse show and it was one of my best sets ever, but they didn't put it in the show. Why not? Like. If you watch that episode, it just looks like I'm hanging out there. But like, I did a set. Uh, you know, Why did Lan- they put it in? Lance Bangs was like, "Hey, you want to do this flop house show?" And I was like, "Sure." And uh, I don't know, maybe because because I've been doing stand up for a while, and they wanted to just feature like the young kids doing it. Yeah, I like that show. I've watched. I've watched. I think there's six episodes. I think yeah. I watched all of them. It's cool. It is cool. You. It makes you want to be young again. Uh it makes me wish, yeah, I'd been doing stand-up a little more seriously when I was younger. Yeah, but you know what, man? Every, you, there's a bunch of people that all start out, and there's very few people that are in their 40s doing it. Keep doing it, yeah. And then that's like the fucking saving grace I go, I guess I, stu- I, guess I stuck with something. Like, I've always, I've always like yeah. given up on everything, and yeah. the only thing I've stuck with is stand-up. Yeah. And I look at all the guys I started with. I mean, out of the people I started with, the people that were working, I mean, like, started with, the only two people that are doing stand-up on my first open mic are me and Dimitri Martin. Wow. Yeah, that's the only two people. Guys. Dimitri Martin, by the way, little uh, fun fact, the uh, probably the only other person I know besides myself who's allergic to chicken. Are you allergic to chicken? Yeah. Dimitri and I are both allergic to chicken. Dimitri's allergic to nuts horribly. Yeah. Like... I'm, He's got a way worse than me. He can't even eat eggs. I can eat eggs. Oh, really? Yeah, he can't oh. eat any kind of chicken product. Yeah, Dimitri's got a ton of allergies. <laughs> like, I remember some, one time someone threw a nut and it hit him in the forehead, and his fucking forehead. No yeah. fucking way. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And Dimitri is like, like, he couldn't have beer because beer had, he could only have Rolling Rock if he wanted to have beer. He's a he yeah he's a bubble we, boy. We had a, a a lighting guy. I think it was a lighting guy on the Sarah Silverman show. Um, who I mean, no one knew this because how would it even come up? He was deathly allergic to peanuts, right? And we did an episode where Sarah starts a band with her father, like a Lisa Loeb cover band, and they and then. And there's a whole montage of them going to these different places around the country singing this this uh, song that Lisa Loeb song and uh one of the sets that they shot on one of the days like was like uh you know like kind of a a roadhouse so they had like the peanut shells oh floor, shit like, yeah cracked peanuts and then uh so this guy walks in the uh um and he, he walked in like first thing in the morning saw all the peanuts on the floor and was like well, see you guys tomorrow, and just went home, and he was like, I can't even breathe that shit. He's like, I'll fucking die. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, uh, that, Dimitri was the first person I ever heard that was allergic to peanuts ever in my life. <laughs> yeah. I remember Sim saying, oh, no, like, well, you know, and I, I remember laughing and going, oh, it's one of his bits. Yeah. That was one of my big yeah. things when I was younger, is I just thought people were all <laughs> running bits on me, everything that I hadn't heard. Yeah, yeah. This, this is how, um... 
Oh, I'm not even, I'll say it off air. It's so bad. But like I was so oblivious and grown up southern sheltered yeah. that like I mean I, I was allergic to peanuts was like fucking I blew me away. Yeah. He's also allergic to chicken. Uh <laughs> also I like the one thing I'd always want to talk to him about is that uh did you ever hear his interview with Marin? Uh-uh. I want to say it was like all about how difficult he was on uh, on Dimitri's on his show that apparently like he was he refused to work with Comedy Central like with anything Dimitri did yeah apparently hmm. I'm dying to fucking talk to him about that I haven't seen him in I haven't seen him in probably I haven't seen him probably in like 15 years wow holy shit I mean like we started we, on the same night we were buddies like I went to his wedding we this was in Florida no in, t- in New York I started oh, in New okay. York I did one stand up in Florida and then yeah. moved and by the way, I, I was so excited when I found out that Todd Berry was from Florida. I was like, okay, I got a legit up, uh, uh, like grooming. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's going to go, Todd's from there and Bert. Yeah. And then Tom, Tom Rhodes is from Florida. Yeah. Uh, Jim Brewer, they said, was from Florida, although he was New York. And then yeah. Billy Gardell was the, that was our Florida. That was every comic from Florida. That's so funny. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you go. It's been two hours. Steve, not bad. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. man. Thanks it. for having me. The- This episode was brought to you by The Machine.